And welcome to episode, I think it's 113 right now. I have lost count. Um, I am Jody, your hostess with the most S. And tonight we have a, a fun, special uh, little episode of the Varangian Heresy podcast because, truth be told, right now, at time of posting this for you to, all to listen, um, we are, well, three of the four of us, maybe four of the four of us here, we will talk about that a bit later, will be balls deep in Scandus. So um, we will be very much our heads there so we thought we'd do something a little bit fun this evening so we're going to be talking about uh our second armies or just moving on from your first love you know when it comes to hobby whatever that might be um so that's what our main topic is about this evening however before we get there i need to introduce our guests and i'm going to start on my left because it is a virtual studio and they are very much on my left like thousands of miles away on my left um the furthest on the left is the one and the only we've had him on before um you love him we love him he's from the death and betrayal podcast it is mr alex how you doing buddy good brilliant man how are you i'm doing good thanks dude so glad to have you back on again feels like you were barely away um uh, from the last time we had you on and we had a lot of fun talking about uh the uh push beta garment how's that going uh, good. We're we're getting close to 300 participants, I think, the last time I checked. Uh, work got a little too hectic for me, so I'm going to give like the first real update actually this weekend. Um, and it's going to be phase one and phase two, and then phase three actually kicks off on Saturday. So uh, we're going to see the timeline shift. I'm going to really start picking up some steam here. Awesome. I'm looking forward to reading. I am very much... Um... Uh, caught up and bought into the whole um, write-ups that everybody's doing. It's uh, it, it's a weird sort of like living vicariously through other people's fluff, and I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's been it's been hugely humbling, but just also to your point, like incredibly engrossing and exciting. Like you can see, just you can already see characters developing, and there's one guy who who played a game and uh, he got in a challenge with um like a, a golden keshig praetor and killed him uh in a challenge and then uh his veterans actually ended up killing the Evan Keshig or not the Evan Keshig, sorry, the Golden Keshig. Uh and so he he took the survivors of his veteran squad and uh reworked the Praetor and put them all on Golden Keshig bikes. Uh, so he just stole them <laughs> after they were done. Uh and he's the sons of Hor- sons of Horus Praetor. Uh, I think he goes by Garadon, maybe. Gangster. I like it. If I remember correctly. Yeah, so it's been fun to watch, yeah. That's pretty damn gangster. That literally is. And it's a great segue, actually, because talking about uh, living vicariously through fluff and, and everything else, the 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 king or the, the prince, to, no, definitely the king of fluff in the um, fluff discussion in the 30K universe is our next guest, and that is the one and the only Mr. JP from the Age of Darkness podcast. How are you, dear sir? I am great. And by the way, you're much too kind. Never am. Never enough. Never enough for you, my friend. But uh, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I feel like it's been too long. It's been a while. It has been too long. It has been far too long since we've had you on. Uh, we will make this, We will do this again and not leave a pandemic in between it or whatever it's been. 
because uh, that is honestly just rude. Um, but yes, I, I'm still I still re-listen to um, your battle reports with Mark and everything from way back. Um, you know, listening to the tale of uh, Dracontites uh, is it Kratos or Kratos Dracontites? Kratos Dracontites, the Eater of Men and Player of Knights, and just. Yeah, that is still some of the best battle reporting I've personally ever listened to. So um, I suggest if you are listening to us you, and you haven't heard those, go hit up the Age of Darkness on SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, SoundCloud, or uh, you should be able to... No, we're not on Spotify. You should be able to find us on most of the main pod, podcatchers, including iTunes. Um, but we uh, generate our RSS from uh, SoundCloud, which apparently is a problem these days. Yeah, because we've been having some problems with that as well. Um but they have you have your old episodes on there, which is definitely worth yep. going back and listening to. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, dude. It's true. You're one of the OGs, and I love listening to your stuff. So I'm I'm never if I'm ever stuck for something, it's that or watching people play Uno on YouTube because that's like Monopoly, but even funnier because you can swear they're going to reach over the screen and murder each other. I love that <laughs> stuff. But but that's that's what Uno is. <laughs> it's Monopoly with less parts. Um, it, it just breaks and ma- makes and breaks families and friendships. Um, anyway, speaking of families and friendships, um, on my right, as always, is the one and the only, the man, the myth, the legend. He sits atop his cans and his empty, his empty beer cans and pretzels on his throne here in 30k Sweden. It is the one and only Mr. Freddy. How are you doing, bud? I can't complain. Can't complain. How are you, mate? Really? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing good, actually, mate. To be fair, I'm doing good. I can't complain because finally, what we've seen for Games Workshop for the last couple of, I don't know, like uh, eight to 12 months is that they are realizing that uh, John Blanche, first and second edition Games Workshop games are like the peak of fucking aesthetics. Yes, which is awesome because we can talk about it a little bit more when we get into the news. Which everyone knows it was better before. And especially considering what's happening in the world, well, it was better before. So there we go. <laughs> It was, it's always better before, but that is not a false statement. That, that is very true. That is very, very true, mate. Um, great. I'm glad everyone's doing well. Uh, I'm just going to bore you and our listeners very quickly with just to remind you guys that you can listen to us on SoundCloud, which is where you probably are now, or you, you can find us on Spotify. Like JB said, there's lots of uh, podcast catches out there you can find us on as well. We've got our Facebook group. We've got a Facebook page. We've got a Discord, which we like to do Hangouts in. Uh, Instagram, email, all that sort of stuff. So if you want to chat with us, you can hit us up in a load of different ways. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, Sammy hosting a regular Discord hangout every week, which has been a lot of fun. Big shout out to Pete and his Blood Angels, Tommy and his Emperor's Children, and Christian and his Salamanders, who I will be seeing two, no, one of those uh, armies at Scandus. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of Scandus... We have this episode will literally be dropping the night before Scandus. It's not as good as Christmas Eve, but it's pretty damn close because at least I am a fat man and there will be emptying of sacks at some point. <laughs> Don't ask. And I won't tell. <laughs> Thank God. So, to, but one of the most important things about that weekend is that we have our raffle for the uh, DMD raffle that we hold every year. Um, and this is going to be our last update to everyone. So you've still got, by the time this drops, 20, maybe 36 hours to buy tickets. Um, you know, it is traditional. 
and Freddie can agree with me on this one, that the last ticket bought every year seems to be pretty damn lucky. Um, <laughs> oh, I should have waited. <laughs> you got time, bro. You got time. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, you know, don't hold off too long to wait and get your tickets. So, Freddie, do, give everybody a quick reminder, a uh, quick rundown of, you know, what they're getting themselves into and what they're doing it for when it comes to the DMD raffle. Well, basically what they do is they donating 35 bucks. Uh, well, <laughs> if you're from the UK now, one one dollar is one pound. So is it? I thought it was a lot less, actually. <laughs> no, last last update was like one point zero seven or some shit. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> so basically, thirty five dollars or thirty five pounds, regardless of where you're coming from. Uh, you donate that. You you donate to to the charity that we picked, which is the Parental Project, and they support uh, research in finding a cure against DMD or Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, which is like a terrible illness that only affects uh, young boys. You can read up on that on Google or Wikipedia or wherever you want. It's terrible reading, but if you want to be informed, then at least that's my suggestion. Otherwise, you can check out the, the Parental Project uh, homepage where you can see ex exactly where your uh, donation is going to what kind of research they're, they're uh, currently supporting and so on. Uh, so each $35 donated gives you a raffle ticket. And uh, for each raffle ticket, you're in the chance of winning an amazing set of different prizes that we had either donated from us from our fellow podcasters or listeners or uh, stores, etc. So I think this year... Um, We've had so many different stores and people reaching out to us to donate prices uh, compared to uh, previous years, which is good to see. So it's really good to see like that we're getting more and more uh, support, not just from like the hobby community or the podcast community. We're also now getting like bricks and mortar stores coming in and helping us with uh, price support and donations, which is amazing. So it's really grown. Mm -hmm. It's really awesome. And I think this is the fifth year we're doing it. And we have a target goal each year of like ten thousand US dollars, mm -hmm. and I and I think we're about what like ooh, I haven't checked maybe. I think we said roughly about two thousand dollars off. Yeah, we're about two thousand dollars off the target, so we have raised uh, about a little bit more than eight thousand dollars so mm -hmm. far, and it is as we speak. What like two or three weeks left until two weeks. Well, once you once you're listening to this, it's like a week left. Not even that. It'll be thirty six hours before the the draw. Yeah. So, well, we everyone knows that you the closer to the draw, the more raffle tickets you buy, uh, the better your chances of winning something is. Isn't that right? <laughs> and I was, I got really scared there for a second. It's just like, oh, it's like three weeks. It's like, wait, scan this in three weeks. My tr my plane leaves on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> no that's why i was checking that's why i was correcting it <laughs> i made a horrible mistake uh, i've been too busy working i can't even keep track of days anymore uh so uh yeah so definitely get your raffle tickets uh, just uh, check out the link on facebook if you have any questions or any queries you can claim this on your tax return like always and what else is there to say yeah so I will do a couple of things. We've got some... J JP has promised to uh, bring the Warlord Titan to whoever wins, if it, <laughs> if it wins in North America. The world. Anywhere around the world, he said last time I heard. Yeah, he'll fly it for free. I'll just carry it home in, in a baby Bjorn. Um, yeah. Yep. 
we should customize one of those actually. Uh, uh, what about the uh, the telethon? Oh yeah. The... Oh, I guess this will come out after the telethon. It will sadly, yes. But we are putting posts up, um, and there may may be a recording of the telethon somewhere on YouTube. But we we don't promise that for legal reasons, um, our own defense mainly. But there are yeah. <laughs> there are. I do want to say. I mean, you know, we're talking about some some pretty cool surprises here. Like we've had uh, a donation of a starter box set. There's a, I believe, a Titanicus Manipul there somewhere. Two starter box sets. Two starter box sets. Ooh. Yeah, there's the traditional Warlord Titan as well. So there's a lot, a lot to go into this. So um, yeah, there's lots of things that you can get your hands on, and for as little as thirty one ticket of thirty five US dollars. You know, we we've got to sell to hit the target. We've got to sell fifty seven tickets. So you know, fifty seven more chances of winning something. So I strongly suggest you get in there and get your ticket ASAP. That's a better than one in fifty seven chance because you have more than one prize. That's a pretty good odd. I like I like those odds myself. I think those are pretty you know, pretty fancy odds when you get to it. You know what I mean? That's right. Let's first let's for like easy sake just say it's one in fifty that you win a warlord titan. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's a potential fully painted warlord titan for the cozy cost of forty eight dollars Canadian. Yeah. There you go. And that's literally that's literally two thirds of a three and a half K army or whatever the cost is in this edition. I haven't looked <laughs> yeah. yet. So, you know, you're you're already you're already twenty models away from a from uh from, from an actual army if you win the Wall of Titan. See, it's it's savings all over the all over the place with that sort of win if you get lucky enough. So uh Warlord Titans we have raffled that now. Oh god, what six, seven now? Is it six now? No, no, no. Uh this no, because one year we did uh three full night houses and no warlord. That was it, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it has to be so this is the fifth year minus one, so four warlord titans. Yeah. It's um yeah, there's this it's nice to think that there's a couple of there's a there's a few world world enders out there with that we've been able to provide. So uh <laughs> that's that's always a lot of fun. Actually one of them it was actually provided to one of the guys who is part of the group and wasn't actually there with uh, with Ulf because we called him live <laughs> to uh, tell me he'd won a warlord. Uh, I don't think he yeah. believed us first off, did he? <laughs> no, no. He's told him, get your fucking ass down to the venue. <laughs> you yeah. have no choice. Yeah, put your cutlery down, stop eating dinner and come down and pick up your warlord. <laughs> but I'm eating dinner with my, my family and then he got divorced. But yeah. he had a warlord. <laughs> so there you go. See, that's... that's... <laughs> yeah. That's something you could put a mortgage on the Warlord Titan these days. It's it's got that much of a cost to it, so you're all good. See, but Bene- benefits and bonuses. All is fair in love and warlords. That, I <laughs> believe that should be a T-shirt somewhere, but I'm not sure for exactly what reason. But I'm pretty sure it should exist. <laughs> Let's put that on a trophy, <laughs> <laughs> and use that as the the first place trophy for the LVO competitive portion. Yeah, <laughs> all's fair in love and warlords. That that is literally a Titanicus event name, if ever I heard one. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna have to run a Titanicus event now too. Well, <laughs> they could have a no night event. Only what's in the starter box. Yes. Yeah, I won't be able to play in it, but that's fine. I'll run it. <laughs> Dude, sometimes running them is far easier than playing in them. We know this. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it's uh, it's true. It is true. Um, okay, so that's that's uh, that's a good reminder for Duchesne. We also have a Patreon raffle, um, but we'll talk more about that in the next episode because we want to focus on 
the Deshane raffle right now. So I'm going to cheat quickly and I'm going to shuffle us over to our virtual news desk, which means we sit exactly where we are, pretend to do a spin or two, and then we start talking all things news and new stuff. Um, where to begin? Is anybody a Death Guard player here? No. At all? No? I have okay. a, uh, a 40k Death Guard army that's been sadly retired since 2012, um, but uh, uh, I've, I've, I've dabbled in some Death Guard. Well, then I think it's fair to say that we could start there, because uh, with that, that level of uh, influence of the, the Death Guard between the four of us, um, they have new Praetors out. They've re- uh, Forgeworld have released, or GW have released, two new Praetors for the Horus Heresy 30k Death Guard. What's everybody's take on these guys, honestly? What do you think? Uh, I like him. Like, uh, I don't, I, I don't find any. I know people have issues with the little skull hat thingy, but you use the fucking helmet. Yeah, simple fix. <laughs> JP, yeah. you got any thoughts on it, bro? Um, Terminator one looks great. Uh, power armored looks fantastic. Um, I'm loving the uh, the direction they went with it. Also, how can you love not love uh, the old pickle haub? Um, uh, helmets for the Death Guard. Um, the only problem with them is uh, a lot of my 40k Death Guard army is the uh, Forge World conversion kits from the Vrax uh, period, and they have the pickle halves, but unfortunately, you can't stick them in any foam case without them immediately breaking off. Um, and you can't glue them back on. That sounds like my Space Wolf uh, Fenrisian axes at the moment. They just you just sneeze at them and they break. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, like they're not so bad if you put them in like the um the solid foam, like the battle foam kind of foam, right? It's not so bad, but if you put them in KR kind of soft foam, they always get stuck in it and come right off. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, But other than that, I love the double, um, I guess the uh, double exhaust vents on on the power pack, uh, the backpack. Mm -hmm. looks great. Um, You really get some nice calls to uh, 40k Death Guard. Who the hell doesn't love a big-ass scythe? Love it. What about you, Alex? Uh, I, I, I don't like the hooded head on the Terminator one, but thankfully he comes with a helmet, and the helmet one looks just unbelievable. Super nice. And um, I, I'm in the same sort of uh, boat with JP. Like The Terminator one looks really good, but the Power Armor one looks fantastic. Um, he looks so good. I love the way he's like just one-handing, like actually holding his gun on him. Yeah. Um, I actually like his bear head as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind that one. Um, so if anyone decides to go with that head and you have a spare helmet, please fire it my way. Because uh, I'd love to work that into my ashen claws a little bit. I love that helmet. Nice. Very nice. I mean, I, I, I will say I love both. Not a huge fan. Uh, well, not a huge fan is the wrong term. The, the cap, you know, cloth head thing actually feels more Dark Angels to me. Uh, mm. Feels more monastic, so it feels like it, that would fit on a Dark Angels model more than this. But, yeah, or like uh, Imperial Fists. Yeah, that too. I mean, yeah, but uh, it doesn't break the world for me. So I, you know, I but I'd probably put the helmet on there. Um, the only thing I have an issue with, and this is just purely modeling wise, two things. Very simple. One, the grip on the scythe looks just weird to me. Because it looks like they've taken in like in a three D CAD, they've taken a pistol grip and just somehow got the scythe in there. Uh, 
purely because the fingers look a bit off to me. That's just me. You know, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I see what you're saying. Mm. So it, it just, it's just an angle thing. That's all. It, it, you know, you could totally fix it if you really found, thought it was a problem. Um, the only other thing is that left shoulder, uh, shoulder pad looks huge. And I think that's a painting color, th- the, the, the potentially down to like the choice of colors or something. I'm not sure. But that left shoulder the, um, with the skull on and everything just looks massive. Uh, it's almost the size of his uh, upper torso and head. Yeah, it's to protect him from like gunshots. I guess so. It's like a whole slab shield on one arm. I don't know, man. It just, it, it just, and I don't hate it. I just say I, maybe it's a paint job, maybe it's a perspective. I don't know. It just looks a little off to me. But again, it's so easy. You could swap that out with something. You could, you know, drop yeah. the cloak altogether, put other shoulder pads. It's not, it's not going to ruin the model. And I actually really love the skulls on the backpack. It that's, doesn't look overdone to me. It looks perfectly Death Guard. Mm. So I like that as well. So that's quite funky. So starting off strong with the uh, with the Praetors. Um, and they were rele- released today as of recording is probably one of the, in my opinion, nicest sculpts stroke uh, slash throwback nods in a long time. And that's the new assassin model. The, um, which one is this? Adamus. Is it Adamus? Adamus? Played Adamus, yeah. Played Adamus. I mean, thoughts, guys, because I, I personally think this thing is just perfect <laughs> i can't be any more than that i just think this is a perfect model and who are these guys though no idea absolutely no idea it's one of the new ones yeah it's one of the new clades because we're getting eight total um and apparently two of those clades go away because somebody i saw, saw online somewhere that somebody had like the org chart of the assassin orm in 40k and it only has six but two of them are blacked out as redacted so Mm. two out of the additional four that we get for uh 30k will still transition over okay you know what this reminds me of okay 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 okay. this is the original rogue trader assassin yep yeah yeah that's exactly it yep I, i i see it we used to Mark had one when we were uh, kids, and uh, we called him Sheriff Lobo, and he he appeared in all of our uh, campaigns when we were teenagers. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Uh, he, we still uh, like he still have it. It's still in it's still in the family, if you will. But yeah, yeah. I, I th- this is exactly what they did. Love it. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this one. It's very dynamic. It's personally my second favorite assassin model because like we were talking about this beforehand. Any version of the Vindicare assassin. You know, so Vindicare Assassin, full stop, then this guy, personally. I'm not, you know, just, I think it looks so good. What about you, Freddy? Yeah, like, well, you know me, I'm a sucker. I know you. <laughs> I'm a sucker for everything that's, like, old school. I'm used uh while we were browsing here, I couldn't help myself look at that uh, Corn Chaos Terminator again. Oh. Uh, the one that's exactly like the freaking second head. Uh, painted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark so Gibbons' good. work. Yeah, that's so pretty. So cool. <sighs> I can't wait for them releasing more like this old school stuff. Like I even enjoy that um, Black Templar Castile and whatever it's called. Oh, the um, yeah, the one over the orc that they released recently. Yeah, I want. It. Yeah, I want. I want that in my heresy army. 
<laughs> that is it is a gorgeous model it really is i mean they're, they're really knocking it out of the park with a lot of their sculpts recently you know space wolf helmets aside um oh don't worry i'm sure the raven guard ones will be an even bigger letdown i mean they can't all winners right no but i mean come on <laughs> I mean, admittedly, if you're a space, if you're a, if you're a space Wolves player, I mean, you're you're probably looking for a win somewhere. Uh, but again, there needs to be a few clunkers, and at least on the on the plus side, at least they remain all the clunkers kind of remain like concentrated in 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 one legion, so that the rest of us can live in peace. Well, it's nice to know they don't intend to make any money out of one particular faction. Um, That's true. But I'm not. I don't want to get stuck in that conversation because I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I could be bitter for bitter for more than one legion at one time. So <laughs> I'm not going there just yet because that that would be rude. It'd be funny. Yeah, I'm maybe being too too gloomish with the uh, <laughs> Raven Guard because let's be real, they're just going to be whatever. GW has such like an apathy for my legion. <laughs> oh. Are we all fucking positive this evening? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think the Ra- Raven Guards will get one. Like it just be- beaky marines because that used to be the old one. Like, oh, here you yeah. go, you got like fucking ten beakies. <laughs> Enjoy. We'll just get an upgraded beaky set. Yeah, either that or they'll just it'll be beakies with like Raven Guard sigils on the brow, um, kind of like the uh, the Dark Fury ones, which are nice. Like, that would look good. Know, yeah, simple yeah, for sure. So that uh, would that would look pretty or, nice. Or will they'll bring back the because it used to be in the old Forge World upgrade set. Um, it's uh, the beak is actually in the shape of a raven's skull, like a raven's beak. Maybe that'll be the sergeant upgrade. Yeah, or they'll just all be that way, and then you could just use them for like destroyers or something. That would be pretty funky, actually. To be fair, make them real grim looking. Because uh, I I used my. I maybe have one more of those helmets somewhere, but I think I used the last one on my Katie's next conversion. Um, Fancy. And they, yeah, they look sharp. Like they're I actually got, really nice. So I'd, I'd be gotta, okay with that. I've got to be honest on the whole wolves thing front. Was, all joking aside, have you, you guys have seen Black Panther, the original Black Panther movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, his, his sister Shuri has those two like um, energy pulsing weapons or whatever she wears on her fists. I was thinking oh, yeah. about I was thinking about doing a Space Wolf um, Vigilator or um, Mor- I don't know, Moritat um, and just have those as his two weapons and just have helmets on his hands and just have Ooh, them. That'd be cool. <laughs> it would actually yeah. wouldn't look too bad if I'm honest if we did it right. You know, it could actually look quite yeah. cool. But um, yeah, run it as dual disintegrator pistols. <laughs> exactly. It, it was that or dual flamers and just have them have a little flame nozzle coming out of the mouth or something. But yeah, that'd be good too. I digress, but if you want to go ahead and do that, do that. I totally, I'm not holding on to that idea. Please go ahead and do that. Um, one other thing that dropped that is kind of important um, that we will take a few minutes probably to discuss through. They finally dropped an FAQ. In fact, there's a lot of uh, FAQs out there per se. They dropped four of them. Yeah. And they've also dropped um, the Mechanicum legacy units as well. Mm-hmm which is kind of cool. Now, we could go through all of that, um, but as Freddie pointed out, I think that would be very much an episode in and of itself. And, you know, we're here for just a bit of fun. 
So I think let's should we just have a... we can summarize it. Uh, basically, the FAQ for the, ru- the rules are fucking common sense. Uh, the only thing that didn't get FAQ'd, which I was hoping to get FAQ'd, was the stupid intercept rules. Uh, and I think that's about it. Okay. Uh, I, I would argue that in the shooting, like the first part of the errata, that whole bit on the shooting phase, mm-hmm. that yep. that created more questions than it answered. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you mean by the, the reaction stuff? You mean? Yeah, I'm more confused now around shooting reactions than I was when the when the edition first dropped. Um, what it feels like to me, and and I'm not looking to be too overly critical of this, is that somebody got a list of these things need FAQs, and they just did them one by one. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? And instead of thinking about okay. How is this going to react within this, within this? Because now, and you can make a strong argument in both sides, and I've seen strong arguments in both sides to the point where I was actually in a conversation, and eventually I just said, like, I, I can't divert any more attention to this. Like, I'm looking to play a game, not go to fucking law school. Um, and it's, uh, like, because it, it, now with the the bit to the reaction to the shooting phase, where that changes return fire, and now return fire almost seems like it's an interrupt, and you get to shoot first, and then reduce the shooting, the active player's ability to actually shoot you, which should never really be, that should never occur mm. when you think about it, because every other every other reaction typically does not reduce the active player's um it doesn't doesn't impact the reactive player's action typically it just reacts to it and thus it's a reaction right so it allows you to to get a little extra mileage out of your thing that's happening so to me this was always something like the shooting the return fire always happens simultaneously now because of the all the bullet points in the FAQ around the shooting reaction and the shooting phase it sounds like if I declare I'm going to shoot you, then you get to shoot at me entirely. And then then I get to decide what weapons to use based on what's left. And so it's it's very kind of confusing when really it just had to be like the active player shoots with all of their weapons in a unit. And then the reactive player can react with all of their weapons um, and just say whether or not you take any models away. But yeah, it's just it's not clear. And you can argue in both ways of it. And I've seen convincing arguments in both ways of it. Well, That's my only gripe. To, to help you for scanners, you fucking say you declare shooting, you shoot your shit, uh, you tip over the models that dies, then shoot back, and then remove casualties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, like, it all works as if it was combat at, at initiative four on both sides. I was going to say, it, yeah, just tre- if, if the smartest way seems to be treat it like you would do general shooting when it comes to shooting at what you know combat at when it comes to combat styles like at initiative because mm-hmm. it, yeah. it makes it i think th- this is my my only gripe with the faq overall is that that just like you're saying alex the way it's been put together feels like it's just question after question after question rather than going is you know as it says change second sentence too no put out the whole freaking thing with the changes in there, highlight the changes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that that would be much easier. So you can actively read through it, because right now you've got to go immediately off the top of my head. You've got to go through the main rule book, the FAQ, potentially to one of the Lieber books if there are special rules involved, 
to get the answers of how to do um, a particular reaction shooting phase. Why yep. not just have it all in the FAQ as one chunk saying, here's how this works here, you know, and then as I say, highlight new additions or high changes or whatever in whatever color you want to, so that people can just go, well, I've got the new FAQ. Let's read through the whole thing together. Done. Yeah. Um, I think that would be the, the free free feedback to GW. I think that would be a great way of doing that from now on, because it it would make things um, make a lot more sense. And I guess the only other thing is, it feels like some of these things should have been in the book day one. Yeah, the fact that they drop an FAQ this quickly after the fucking yeah. And that, to me, that comes down to potentially down to proofreading, or you know, some something got missed somewhere. Again, I don't know. I'm not in. This, this is nothing, though. Didn't they just drop an FAQ for squats before the squat line even dropped? They dropped it the day after it dropped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It came out came out on the weekend, and and uh, the Votan came out on Saturday. I think you could walk into a store and buy it, yeah. and. Uh, and now on Thursday, they released like an update to it. But that actually, your point around like jumping to the library, see if there's special rules involved actually reminded me. Um, and again, I feel like it's just, they're not, th they're just looking at it. They got a question. They go, um, I don't know this, I guess, just to kind of get it off the plate because the FAQ portion on the shrouded actually fully negates a good chunk of points that you're paying for Corax. Because the FAQ on Shrouded says that models with the Fearless Special Rule may not make a Shrouded save, but Korax's armor gives him a 4-plus Shrouded save. And that replaces his previous ability in the first edition where you could only snap fire at him unless he was the closest unit or he was part of a unit or if you were a Primarch or a Psyker. Uh, because it's meant to represent his sort of passive stealth, like his passive psychic stealth ability. And so now he is he has nothing of that. Now he can't use it because he has fearless. Yeah, now he can't use it. Yeah, and he's you're paying points for it, right? Because his points didn't go down. And I think Magnus's armor gives him like a shrouded five plus or something too. Yeah. But uh, admittedly, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, again, it just it feels like someone was just doing it to get it off the plate. Um, and uh, I think my my professional life is making me more frustrated with that and with this than in reality, because like I deal with like, you know, I work in a restricted industry. So when I work in marketing, there's like an oversight board and the people who work at the oversight board, like they literally get get paid on closing files. So they rejected one of my files on a not valid reason, like before a long weekend just to close the file out like to, to get their metrics through. Um, and this feels like that. Like, like a real tick box exercise yeah 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 I'm like okay i got the faq out so i can put that in my uh p and d report at the end of the year <laughs> get my raise <laughs> i mean i gotta ask in general i mean yes this is an faq freddie you mentioned um something not really being in there that should be is there anything else that you guys feel that they're missing that should but, have been in this first one well, I have to just jump on Alex there. I think this FAQ sort of is shit that they already knew they missed, sort of like the poor fucking squats. I think mm -hmm. that this is not the proper FAQ that's going to come out later on. So you think this is like a 0. 0.5? 
or there will be like a version 2.0 or so 1.5 or some shit because when, when they actually have lots of feedback from the community saying this and that then they will have like like the remember how long it took for us to get that massive faq for horror heresy before and that faq yeah. actually covered a lot of fucking shit and, and yeah, it was a good before one. that before that like we did an faq that was like five pages long or some shit or even more i know the fucking mournable guys were like a fucking book so yeah <laughs> just to clarify retarded stuff so yeah i mean there is uh actually to jump on that i know that uh having looked caught it on the mournable events page they're using the fan-made faq so rules updates which is Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Is it the Panacopia? The Panoptica. Panoptica, yeah. yeah. They, they've they actually ad, uh, adopted that as their, um, a lot of their additions and FAQs and rules updates and everything, which is uh, also quite interesting. A really good piece if you haven't had a chance to sit down and read through it. It's a really good piece. Really, I can't remember the name of the guy who's been doing the work on it, and I apologize, but that is some serious... It's a few. Yeah. Well, the, the team then have been put in, putting work into it absolutely amazing work well done lads uh for getting that done because it's you know it's community doing what the community does the best to look after itself mm-hmm. it is like 50 pages or something so i almost wonder if it's just more to your point around like just write the rule within it like should they just write a whole different rule set um and just publish it like uh would that be easier for people to use and adopt at that point just yeah. call it like horse heresy 2.0 panoptica yeah. right or 2.2 or something like that panoptica something yeah. like that um because I, I i know that there are people that are spooked by the size of it and they make a knee-jerk reaction and they go well it's like 50 pages how could they possibly know like that's just people being whatever yeah. and i don't necessarily think that's the case because i i used mournival actually at lvo last year yeah um so you know i deigned to actually bring fan-made rules into like a fairly mainstream event and uh and we did it for for um uh, my adepticon event as well we used the mortal rules because i love their stuff and i love the characters that they've got in there like they've got a navar half character and stuff like that but with such an influx of new people i just wonder if something that large spooks a lot and maybe isn't going to do as much for them as it normally would have if that makes sense yeah i get you i think it's just i hope it's just a case of it'll become, um, it'll slowly disseminate. You know, people will take yeah. the time over time to get to it. And you're right, you know, big texts are, are scary to read through. I mean, I've probably tried to read through the main, just the main rule book more than four or five times. And just looking at it, it's like outside of the fluff stuff, which is super easy to read. You know, reading through 100 plus pages of rules can be generally just tiring. So um, I get yeah. it, but I think it's it's if nothing else, and this might might sound a bit um, AEW versus WWE for those who get the wrestling reference. Uh, it's made for gamers or made by gamers for gamers, a bit more than made by a company for the game. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. I got it. I got yeah. it. I know you got me, JP. <laughs> That's why I made the reference, brother. Um, <laughs> We could just make this the AEW podcast. What do you think of Soraya coming back? That's 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 exciting, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> what a pop, though. I think it's exactly <laughs> what the women's division needs. 
It totally does, man. And I'm I'm so happy for that. And I'll, I'm not going to get into cook because we could do you and I could do this for hours. I know this, but <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just joking. But the, the the recent the recent um, suspensions, I think, have actually done a very positive thing for the company because now everybody else is getting a really big rub at the moment, and I quite like that. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out long term. But we should really get back to. I just I, I found it so funny introducing Mox as three time world champion, but those three times have only been since the start of the summer. Man's carrying the company on his shoulders. What can I say? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's a fucking legend. I would have given it to Danielson, but like I understand. Oh, yeah. like, no, Mox, after having like he, he lost another two times. Anyways, it makes perfect sense to give it to Mox, and I hope he has a good like reign. I hope that it's he a will. solid long reign. Either that or he's going to lose to MJF very quickly, but he's going to lose in such a way that he basically won. Interesting. So it's he's not going to he's not going to, he's not going to lose any shine. He's going to have a perfect rub off it, whatever happens. But I'd have him do that with MJF than rather than have Danielson do it. It's going to be as hard to actually not give MJF the world championship when he cashes in the chip as mm-hmm. it was not giving the acclaim the world uh, the the tag team championship after uh, uh, and and I'm sorry but like Swerve in Our Glory is better as a better tag team than the acclaimed but like the acclaimed are so over right now just so incredibly oh, yeah. over you had to give powerful it it's so powerful how far over they are and I love it um, but yeah you are right I'm, I won't disagree I think Swerve in Our Glory should have had it. For a lot longer. Anyway, you and I will start our AW podcast after yeah, we've done this episode. Fucking right, we'll do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Craig, Craig will join you guys on that one. I'm sure. I'm down, man. Stay tuned for the patient only five hour AEW discussion. A- AEW discussion, <laughs> and then, then then we'll move on to something else that'll just take another five. It'll be great. Anyway, back to the FAQ. I have one question for. I have a question for everyone before we sort of move on, so we start talking about mm-hmm. other stuff and the main topic, but. What is the one thing, the one rule or it might be easier to say area, I'm not sure, of the rules that uh, currently that you'd like to see in whatever next comes out as far as an FAQ? What's something you'd like to see? Because I I know this is Freddy's and you talked about it, but I don't want to jump on it because it's yours. But you mentioned like, uh, what was it? Augury scanners, right? Yep. I can put a cap on that shit. <laughs> chill, chill the fuck down. Do something. Don't fucking break, break, uh, deep striking and reserve armies. Yeah. yeah, or only make it that you have to buy the augury scanner, um, yeah. just in order to use the advanced reaction, or not, you know, not advanced reaction, but in order to use the reaction as one of your reaction points. So you can still only intercept like once, because you're right, like mass interceptions just it's not fun it's it's insane like you, you can get your entire army to shoot like an extra round for <laughs> when, when someone uh walks in from reserves yeah what about you alex i mean you you're you're into that and you're obviously you you're an event, a massive event organizer as well um that's not a euphemism for anything you just organize massive events um, <laughs> yeah we were talking about how I got large before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to be sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm not doing very well, but I'm trying. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, you are. You're doing a good job. Um, mine, mine's actually along the same lines as, as Freddie's. I absolutely hate the interceptor reaction for the Xiphon. Um, it's the only jet that has it. It's the only aircraft that has it. And there's zero defense against it. Like if I bring my storm Eagle on, 
in any which way, he gets to bring a Xiphon on and dump his entire payload at me at full ballistic skill before anything else can shoot at me too. Um, and let's say I... It doesn't even have to... Yeah, and there's no jink anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have a Darkwing pattern Storm Eagle anymore. I lost that access to that unit, which used to give me a 3-plus jink. So it was a survivable means of bringing something on the table. Um, and then, you know, you might get one round of, of good shooting out of it before you're jinking all over the place and snap-firing everything, you know, the last cannons that are on board. Um but it's a cool jet and it, it was a cool unit. We lost it, but if I want to bring any jet on, or if I want to bring my Storm Eagle on, and let's say I have that stacked to the rim with like a real specialist more Dathan unit, that's like 400 points in inside the Storm Eagle. Yeah. Like your 105 point unit just negates, it completely nullifies 600 plus points of my unit. And there's yeah. nothing I can do about it. I mean, I, I appreciate that they've they've uh, tried to make the Siphon more relevant, I'm sure, with that, and also the fact that it's 100 points cheaper than it was in the last version, which is insanity um, yeah. for what it can t- potentially do. But, yeah, no, I, I, I get you on that one, man. JP, you got anything you think they should be looking at for the next FAQ in any way, shape, or form? Honestly... Number one, no one invited me here to talk about rules. Everybody knows how good I am at them. But <laughs> Which is why I thought I'd ask you about it. All I'm looking at right now is I want to I play my army, um, and I'm just waiting for the militia to drop. You and me both, brother. Because that, that's, that's all I'm looking for. Like, drop 15 FAQs. I'll read half of them, but like what I'm looking for is rules so I can play my army again. Yep, yep. I got 3,000 points in, a bo- in boxes waiting to just go. Just waiting. Just, just wait. And yeah. it's fine, you know? It's going to take some time, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about that, but, like, you guys are talking about, like, some specific rules that you don't like. I can't play my army. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, in, I'm in with that one. And, and, and I mean that. Like, I have, I have my Iron Warriors, but I almost always play them with, with allies, and the allies make up most of my troop choices, and that's how, that's how I like my army, and I can't play it right now. So, anyways, that's yeah. a very selfish yeah. uh, thing that I want, but... Totally fine. <laughs> You're not alone, bro. No, no, it's 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 not. And, and actually, yeah, I'm, I'm in that camp with you. Um, not, but at least you know when yours is coming. Um, uh, well, I know I that it no is ideal. coming. I have no idea. I have no. Yeah, it's coming like in December, but I have no idea when I'll get to use my black shields again. And I just finished those guys. Oh man. Um, yeah. Like I ju- and you know that that'll be relevant to our conversation later because they they really are my true second army, and yeah. I just finished them this year, and I've played a handful of games with them, yeah, and I can't bust yeah. them out. No idea what what units if I can even use the units that are in there. I know that the I know that the lightning has changed, which yeah. you know arguably now it's where most of it. Um, it's where mo- most people are using or used to use the lightning. They used it with that loadout, but I used to get like wacky with it. And I had like rad missiles and phosphex bomb clusters on there. And I converted the lightning oh, to have like cool missile racks and stuff. Nice. Uh, yes. Sexy. And, and now I can't use that. It's not an option in the legacy. It's oh. like that, that equipment isn't there anymore. Rad missiles, uh, I think, or phosphex bomb clusters. I think you can only take it with crack and penetrators now. Bracketed Sun Fury missiles, maybe? Or am I thinking of Thunderbolt? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, 
Mm. You, you could be right on that, but uh, and and maybe the Sun Fury missiles are there, but it was just like a fun sort of like, okay, great, here comes the lightning. So people would like position their vehicles to avoid the lightning, and then when the lightning would come on and do its shenanigans, people would like get comfortable, and then I'd bring the Storm Eagle on as like my gunship, and I have mm. that with like Hell Strike missiles and a multi melta, um, and it was yeah, I don't know, it was just it was a fun, cool tactic that was like against the grain and, and i have no idea if i'll be able to use it well i i, I miss like everything that it's like black shield or like uh, in between like the third faction that we used to have like yeah. even in yeah. even, even in adeptus titanicus there's talking about like black black shield legios and shit but it seems to yeah. completely have disappeared like in the horus heresy yeah yeah I like. I really do hope they bring out rules like i said i need the militia rules to come out otherwise i've got a lot of money and models sitting there doing nothing which I'm not happy about, but yeah, also because there I think are those are a PDF. Many, many, many people are like that. I, I don't care if it's a PDF as long as they come out. I think um, they said it's coming out in a PDF like around the same time, around the same time as the the like imperial book, like the book oh, with the custodians and the solar auxilia and shit. Yeah, yeah. It's weird to me that the solar auxilia aren't the fucking PDF. Yeah. We need fucking Team Flak Jacket to reunite. No, but it's 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 an easy explanation. They're putting the armies that they make models for in the books, and the armies and there, there's not a lot of Black Shield models. Uh, most of them, most people convert their own Black Shields, and um, uh, and and that's going to be the PDF, just like militia. There's not really a lot of militia models. That's that should that's not their priority, nor should it be. I completely understand. I'm just like, I have no troop choices without militia, so I'm kind of in trouble. I think the, the, the only on that point, the only thing that disappoints me a little bit is that, that I really felt they could have dropped the a PDF for almost everything. Mm-hmm. They they knew they were, and they've been known for a couple of years because their lead cycle lead terms are like lead times are like two years of development. So they could have potentially just like they did, and I hate to say this for Age of Sigma, they dropped PDFs for like Empire and stuff like that, which were in the new book, so people could still play. That is where I think they they sort of let that drop. But oh yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Well, you guys remember the the transition from uh, second to third edition, and uh, uh, the third edition had like this black uh, codex, which pretty much had rules for everything in uh, second edition that you could use. No, it's the opposite. Sorry, the transition from Rogue, Rogue Trader to second edition, and everybody had like a get got get you by army list while uh, codexes started coming out. You know, that's a good point, because when they moved from 7th to 8th edition, they did the exact same thing. They had they had a Xenos book, which had every single Xenos model and unit in it. And they had, like, an Imperium book and, like, a Chaos book, I think. It's not, it's not unprecedented. But they had two or three full books that had everything in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Freddie's point, it's radio silence. Like, we've heard that we're going to get a PDF for Militia which will be sweet, but you would think that they would put those in the book instead of the Solar Auxilia since they've discontinued like half of the Solar Auxilia line. Have they really? Um, like all they of discontinued, them. yeah, like a huge chunk of it. So, I mean, if it's coming in plastic, great, but we've had no indication of that, but we know that a lot of players are going to use either Krieg models, which they still make a ton of, or they're going to use Cadian models, which are about to get a revamp. So you would sell models on those out of that book um, Mm. very easily. Uh, They've even made Krieg in plastic now, so. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They even make the Krieg regular section in plastic. You're right. Um, and there's rumors, uh, like through the rumor engine, of like some kind of Rough Rider unit or plastic Death Riders coming back. Oh, um, oh baby. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing that's missing in in the militia list. The the, the number one thing that's uh, that's so clearly missing is Rough Riders. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It would be awesome to do like different beats as well, so you could like add. Uh, Cold ones converted as Rough Riders or like all kinds of stuff. Yep. Dude, give me taunt, give me some sort of forty k version, thirty k version of Tauntauns <gasps> for my um, Bro, come on. my winter themed uh, Valhalla army. Oh, that's so hot right now. <laughs> it's just oh, dude. They they only need one rule though, so they can like uh, go to ground and instill discipline. <laughs> go to ground five up five up cover save um four up if you're playing on ice the only it's the only rule i need to remember <laughs> it's yeah, go to ground and it's still discipline yeah you're golden um i tell you what i'm going to wrap this bit up on the faqs now so we can move on but i will say this if i had anything that they could do for the the next faq it would be something to deal with uh nemesis bolters and by that, I mean, I respect that they exist. I respect that people are using them and creating a meta around them. I just don't like the type of play that is, let's have three, four squads or two vigilators or whatever, armor nemesis bolters, and all we're going to do is pick off sergeants and stuff. I'm not a fan. Um, I'd much rather have that not happen. So I, I don't know what it is, whether it's uh, shorter range or I know they'll never do it. Bring back lookout, sir. Something like that would be interesting. I just, I'm not a fan. Uh, I just think it's it's too much. It's It can be played the wrong way. The range is too much. I agree with you. I think if you took it down to like 48 inches or even 36. 36 would be better because you're not covering. You're literally, you can sit in one corner of the board and cover the other corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 72 is too long. I agree with that. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the difference maker is. It doesn't have to be to reduce the weapon in any way, shape, or form, but what it can do. But range, 100%. Different type of damage mitigation could be an option. I don't know. That's that's my own personal take. Anyway, let's let's get away from the news desk. Otherwise, we'll be here talking about Tontons for the next foreseeable future, and I'm totally down for that conversation. Um, but let's <laughs> swirl away. Um, a JP, man, I'm sorry. I've got to say this. Now you mentioned that for your Tontons, for your winter-themed army, my steampunk army, I just want like a dozen outriders of the old engineer, Empire Engineer ho- uh, rider. Oh, that'd be rad. With the steam-powered horse. I mean, come on, man. That, tell me that isn't just perfect for a, st- for a steampunk-themed army. You could kip-bash that. I feel like you could do something cool with the uh, the Mechanicum. The, sorry, the yeah, Mechanicus. Sorry, riders. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'll do uh, it. I know, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. you, know where, you know where my head's at on that one. Okay, yeah, that's cool. As long as I'm, I'm, I'm not out there. But anyway, let, let's come back because we, we need to do that because we're going to talk about this one for a little while as well. I can feel it. And I'm, I'm down. So, like we said earlier, we've alluded to it all the way through. We're talking about our second armies or basically what made, what got you to move on from your first love. Um, and I think the best way to start out about it, start out with this is actually probably talking about our first loves. So I'm going to do a quick round the table, and we're going to start with let's start with JP. What was your first heresy army first love? What 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 did you get into? Are we talking about specifically heresy or more generally? Uh, I think we'll go specifically heresy if we can. But I mean, you know, if it's all in general, it works. 
because uh, it's it's really a question of 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 order in that case. Um, if you'd have asked me my first love and my uh, second army, uh, first love would have been Imperial Guard, and my uh, second army would have been my Iron Warriors. If you want a heresy specific, my answer is going to be Iron Warriors. Uh, is my was my first love. Um, originally, I um, uh, when Betrayal dropped in 2012, I was still working on a 40k Death Guard army. And um, again, it was using, a, as I mentioned earlier, I think it telegraphed a lot of my answers, uh, <laughs> but I, I worked on, um, I was working on my Death Guard army, um, which again, used a lot of, because I was already reading the novels, really loved Flight of the Eisenstein, loved the, how, how the Death Guard uh, were described. And again, I've loved the Death Guard since the 90s. I had some of the old uh, metal um, uh, Death Guard uh, from... Uh, you know, the older ones with the pickle halbs and then the, the the newer versions that came out like 98 or something with the third edition Chaos Codex. So I had some of that. It was never an army. Um, so I tried to build a Death Guard army um, uh, around uh, the late 2000s. Um, and it never, be again, it never became an army. I painted like two squads and some other things. But I, I got some of the cool Nurgle stuff. Like I had a, I have a Plague Hulk and, and some Blight Drones and all that stuff, cool stuff. Again, a lot of it never wound up getting painted. Never turned into a real army. Um, and again, that's what I thought I was going to do when Heresy dropped. It's like, well, I got the first book, Death Guard are in, and I'm going to make a Death Guard army. And I just kind of sat on it. Um, and uh, it never, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't work out for me uh, as an army. Um, uh, I don't know, I, 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 did, I didn't, I didn't want to make it. Uh, I guess there's, you know, I don't need to justify it. It's just, I, it wasn't something I wanted to make. Plus, at the end of the day, it was going to be so very similar to my, uh, to my 40k Death Guard army. It's just like, is uh, it really a worth starting over a new one um less green maybe yeah um i was already painting them white and, and, and green because uh again i was reading the the horse heresy novels at the time so i wanted them to look like uh look like they still had the original death guard colors only really dirty right um i got really good at dirt, uh, 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 rust streaking and 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 making things filthy that way um anyways uh, so that didn't happen. But if you recall at the time, we used to get like three black books a year, or at least for the first year, because uh, I think the Istvan trilogy was already pretty much ready to go when Betrayal dropped. Um, and so by then I had read Angel Exterminatus, and then something about Graham McNeils. I, I had never thought about the Iron Warriors, and all the time I've been in the hobby since the early 90s. Never really gave the Iron Warriors a second look. And and But I, I, Graham's... Uh, description of them as as almost like a great war army uh, and, and one that's skeptical about about chaos but is willing to use them as a weapon and I did like a lot of the old stuff from like the 3.5 codex when they would talk about iron warriors when they would get mutations they'd cut off the mutation and put a, uh, um, a bionic in there um, I, 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 I love the description of Perturabo and, um, and, 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 and the cast of characters in Angel Exterminatus and it's like yeah, this is really cool it reminds me of a great war army um, and so I wanted to make something that spoke to me right so that's why I jumped in with uh, with Iron Warriors. So I was waiting for book three to drop and thankfully it didn't take too long at the time and book three dropped I bought it right away alongside the core of my army, which was uh, some units of breachers, uh, a command, um, and, and I haven't really looked back from, from my first love, which is a, a, a heresy, as far as heresy is concerned, which is the, the Iron Warriors. It just, um, that really down-to-earth military feel of storming a breach or, or, or taking a trench 
Um, that spoke to me at the time, and it really spoke to what the heresy was bringing into the hobby, which was a more grounded feel uh, for, for for Warhammer. Mm -hmm. I like it. I mean, I, I'm going to talk about Iron Warriors in a minute as well. So, nothing you have said is wrong. Nothing you could ever say about them is wrong. I just, I don't care who else says anything. You and I will always be on the same wavelength when it comes to uh, it comes to the Fourth Legion. But I'm going to switch it over to Alex now, buddy. What was your um, what was your first heresy love army wise? Uh, so mine's uh, in a similar story, similar vein, um, but not chaosy. Uh, I um, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I should start with how I even got turned on to heresy. Um, mine didn't come because I was you know still actively involved i was kind of just getting back into the hobby and i was actually like kind of doing 40k like maybe once every couple months with a couple of buddies that i do garage hammer with and uh i ordered like an avatar of kane from forge world Ooh, just because i wanted to add an avatar of kane to my elfway army like i was always a narrative player so i had this big like black guardians army mm -hmm. um and uh which was in no way viable i lost every single game that i played um but i wanted to add an avatar true narrative player my friend <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i really just leaned into how the elder get their asses kicked constantly um <laughs> and uh but I, I wanted to add an avatar because it's cool and i felt like i was starting to get good at painting but i hated the regular one so i was just looking at like just googling around for alternate avatar models and that's when i stumbled onto forge world and it was getting pretty close to christmas um uh must have been 2014 i guess um because I think, I, yeah, it was because I was living alone. Um, my roommate had uh, moved back across the country. And um, so I, I expect this thing to take like a month, month and a half or whatever to get here. And like a week later, not even a week later, I come home and there's a big box, like a big box sitting on, on my front step. And I go, oh, shit, this thing must be like not a game model. It must be like a massive model um and i go well whatever and, and i take it inside and i open it up and it was filled to the brim uh with all this mark ii and uh like night lords upgrade kits and stuff oh um like probably 250 quid worth of like mark ii heresy stuff but i didn't know it was heresy stuff i thought it was just chaos and i was like well i don't play chaos um, but I called, you know, I, well, I emailed Forge World because I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to pay that phone bill. Um, and uh, so I, I emailed them and I go, hey, like, let me know where to send this. This is probably somebody's Christmas gift. Like, uh, you know, and they go, trust me, we already fucking know about this issue. Uh, we've already dispatched you uh, another Eldar. Like, um, it, uh, it, it'll, you know, you'll get it, whatever. And uh, this was this. I actually got someone from Australia's order. Oh, no. And yeah yeah so they got an avatar so that person didn't receive it for a month and a half mm -hmm. so um yeah i mean i you know i didn't follow up on it but but then it got me kind of watching forge world pretty like regularly and then betrayal like calf came out and i've always loved the blood angels mostly for their siege of terra which is what i'm working on right now is blood angels uh and i i built like one tactical squad i think as blood angels but I'm still kind of an idiot and uh, you know i'm kind of just starting to get into the historical gaming but i was cheap and i bought upgrade torsos and upgrade heads but i didn't want to buy the shoulder pads um and uh because i was like oh my god i gotta buy like so many shoulder pads that's ridiculous so i bought like the 40k 
um, upgrade kit. And it wasn't Primaris at that time, so that didn't exist. Um, and then I was just putting like Blood Angel sigils on both arms, and then I realized that was wrong, and I actually couldn't get them off, like even with the freezing trick, because I used Gorilla Glue, and it's like impervious. So I just sold those ones um, when I was flipping around on Forge World, and Korax had come out, and uh, um, you used to, when he had first come out, he came out in a set you could get a Darkwing pattern Storm Eagle with uh dark furies and more dathan and korax and so i bought that and i bought like book three and i just started using it with i think it was like sixth edition at that point it was maybe 20 it would have been 2015 i guess when i was doing this um and uh and then i realized it was actually a whole separate game (laughs) Like, uh, it wasn't just like oh you can also play this in 40k i realized it was its whole thing uh, and then I just used Facebook to actually find out. Uh, actually, that's how I met my co-host Craig was uh, through that, and, and I started playing like in in his Horse Heresy League. And um, but I went with the Raven Guard uh, one because I was already pretty adept at painting black. And two, uh, I've always had like a predilection for sort of like special ops or scouts and like marksmen, and and I loved the more Dathan unit, like just the way that it looked with their special sniper rifles and like their special improviser site. And I love Mark six armor. It's always been my favorite. So then I just got deep into like Raven guard lore. And now that's, that's still my, my main squeeze. Well, we'll come on to, we'll come on to your, your, your second love and that in a minute, but uh, yeah, yeah. we got I, I mean, the story is way too relatable and thank God for Facebook, man. Cause I think that's, <laughs> I wouldn't have been into heresy myself if, if that hadn't existed. Uh, but Freddie, how about you, brother? Uh, well, my first ever Heresy Army uh, mm-hmm. was way before even Heresy existed, which I did Black Dark Angels, because I started with Black Dark Angels back in Rogue Trader. Mm-hmm. Um, then, obviously, I I kept on, on ice for a while and started playing other 40k armies. And then once in third ed, I started, like when Cypher actually came out, and there was like a, a rules for, uh, for uh, Fallen Angels. I started collecting stuff and you could have like 20 man squads and shit. And then I found on internet, they were like fan made Horus Heresy stuff. And I managed to get like a, a lead from eBay, like a, a lead uh, Lion L. Johnson model, which I made up and I converted like a Luther model as well from like skibor parts and all kinds of stuff. And this is like way back in the day. And then, lol and behold, <laughs> Uh, fucking Betrayer came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing I saw was like the, the, you remember how they teased it while showing the, fo- uh, like the picture of Angron running, like the post you got in White Dwarf. That was like the first uh, thing that there was going to be like Horus Heresy. And then I was thinking, fucking hell, okay. And I was looking <laughs> through and I wanted to do white and blue world eaters. Because I, I, my last ever 40k project was a World Eater army uh, with Corn Circus and stuff. Ooh, so ooh, I was like ooh. deep into World Eater lore. lore yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to order shit. So I was in Afghanistan at the time. So I, as soon as the book dropped, I made sure that I had like a satellite phone and I called someone to order the fucking book for me. And then... <laughs> And then I made sure, and then uh, obviously deployment money, I dropped like a ton loads of fucking money and ordered like an entire uh, World Eaters army straight off the bat. 
gangster. I mean, yeah. if if making a phone call from from a war zone uh, yeah. doesn't doesn't rate up there as a gangster action, I don't know what does. Um, yeah, <laughs> to be fair, that's that's intense, dude. Listen to me. This is really important, Freddie. It sounds like you're getting shot at. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right. This is important. <laughs> this is important. I don't have fucking time. <laughs> this yeah. is old white dwarf where a bunch of where two uh, British soldiers on deployment during the yep. Gulf War are playing like road trader. Yeah, they're using stones and different things to play. Yeah, yeah, good shit. Classic, absolute quality hobby. Yeah. So, uh, but the thing is, like all that shit. And so I ordered that because of postage and shit and not like the Americans getting deployed that we have like a fucking postal address and can order all kinds of shit. And so I managed to order it uh, to uh, my parents' house in Sweden because I went to Mm -hmm. my two weeks R&R for the year. Uh, I went over there because obviously I was going to be a dad. (laughs) Yep. So I I, I had the birth of my son and the birth of uh, Horace Heresy like at the same fucking two weeks R&R trip. That was awesome. And uh, but unfortunately, uh, due to circumstances, I didn't get those stuff back with me to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I, I was meanting, I, I meant to have it sent over to Australia. But then after my son got his um, diagnosis and stuff, and uh, we, we decided to move back to Sweden, and I just put that on the can. And then I had like when I when I moved back to Sweden back in two thousand and thirteen. I arrived to my parents' house and had like moving boxes of Forge World orders that I had done while while on deployment. Uh, every time I had like uh, internet access and I used my you know hard-earned wartime cash, <laughs> I dropped like a Forge World order. So that fuck loads. So I started like uh, my first half year in Sweden. I basically just assembled like and painted my entire World Eaters army, and I played my first. A Swedish heresy game down in Malmö with my heresy army, and then decided to start running Lincoln. Nice. Well, that, that's a lot to catch up on. Um, well, I tell you what, I'll keep mine relatively short because I want to get into some discuss, you know, some deep discussions on all this sort of stuff. But um, just like JP, I mean, it was Iron Warriors for me from the get go when it came to heresy. Um, I've always stated, and I stand by this, that I got. Um, the one thing that got me into Iron Warriors was the beautiful picture of uh, Iron Warriors. I think it's meant to be an Iron Havoc, but it's definitely um, heavy support one way or the other. The the dude in book three with yes. the auto cannon, um, and that I just want. I just went. I want to know more about this army. I want to know how to make that particular model, and then I saw Perturabo the Perturabo model, and I was just like, that. I want that. I want the other guy, and I want an army. But I didn't I, I didn't have the money to start off. Um, so I had to wait for, uh, or I was very, very happy when Betrayal at Kalth came out. Um, and to keep up for, to sort of get my fixings before that point, um, I consider myself very lucky to be uh, very, very good friends with... Um, Lex from Crusade and Heresy. Uh, we lived in the same town, did a lot of hobbying and stuff together for a number of years. Um, and I remember him setting up Crusade and Heresy, and we talked a lot about it. And I sort of really needed an army that I could get into, um, but I was struggling. I was really struggling to find something 
that I thought fit what I wanted to do. And I very much quickly realized I didn't want to have anything to do with the, um, with the loyalist faction, uh, because I'd played good guys in fantasy for decades. Um, but I could not let go of the, the dwarf in me because I had played dwarves for, like I said, a couple of decades. So short, bitter, grudge-holding, um, artillery specialists. Somehow that parlayed into the Iron Warriors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just fit. I mean, to be fair, in 1.0, they were a very forgiving army, especially for new players. Um, when you actually think about some of their rules and everything that, that they had, um, which helped a lot for me as well, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, good army to paint. You know, you can get some really good results. Um, but yeah, Iron Warriors were my first love, and I blame I blame Lex. I blame really good artwork, and I blame my inner dwarf, which for somebody who's uh, six foot six seems a bit backwards, but you know. It's it's all about the attitude, not about, not about the yeah. height. I'm a short, bitter motherfucker inside. That's all I'm saying, really. And I can hold a grudge. Um, so so all that works. But that that was my first love. Um, did I mean I? Whoever wants to jump in on this, you know, go for it. But did anything uh, from your you know your first love really influence your second army? I mean, what was your second or what is your second army? Um, is there anything like I mean, like I just said, I was tired of playing um good guys. Did that was that there for anybody else or was it, you know I think you mentioned I think you mentioned Alex about um being uh, you know, into your obsec guys and all that sort of stuff with the Raven Guard. Um yeah. Is there anything yeah. anything for anyone who wants to jump in on that one? Uh yeah, I mean I, I, I can go. Um so uh, my second real army uh, was Black Shield and its Ashen Claws, which are uh, <laughs> Terran 19th. <laughs> uh, so it, I literally just went from like uh, proper 19th Legion to Renegade 19th Legion. Um, and uh, and then in, in the opposite of being sort of like this very tactical, very shooty army, I went very like shock assault heavy. Um, so they're very much the other other side of the coin for myself. And was that was that a big like? Just this is what I've done before, but I wanted a wanted a new challenge kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think I just wanted to change the play style a little bit. Um, I, I didn't want to be as shooty. Uh, I wanted to be a little more close combat ish, and and I didn't want to always be playing on the loyalist side. Um, and I kind of had this idea of creating like a third breakaway faction within an event um so i was trying to build them kind of in preparation for that um but uh i you know i didn't i didn't have like caribdi that i'd never really used i i never really used uh much more than the storm eagle when it comes to flyers i wanted to do that but it still kind of fit within that same motif of like low model count highly specialized um, and always kind of on the back foot, always sort of having the short end of the stick in this sort of like uphill fight. Because uh, the, the Raven Guard, particularly in 1.0, their rules weren't particularly strong. Um, 
compared to some of the other legions, like you, you could probably rate them pretty low towards the bottom. They got a couple of, you know, one tricks in there, like more Dathans uh, can help you out a little bit. But you know, if you're like me and you don't want to spam them because more Dathan were pretty rare, um, you, know, you didn't see them deployed at like 30 odd at a time. Um, it was the same same sort of thing. But I, I just, I, I loved the lore with them again. And I mean, I, I liked the Raven Guard kind of being on the back foot. And I think I liked the level of assertiveness that the Ashen Claws had. And so I typically would play them very assertively um, and a little less of like setting traps and a little more of forcing you into positions that I want you to be in um, instead of trying to lure you into a position that I want you to be in, which is typically what I do with the Raven Guard. So similar, but um, sort of different tools. Different enough to give you a, a a different playing experience by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. And then I got to really play with weathering and stuff. Like from a hobby perspective, I wanted to do something kind of different. Like, uh, you know, with most of the legions, everything's very monotonous. But with the Ashen Claws and the Black Shields in particular, like I really got to flex my hobby muscle with them. And nice. they're incredibly converted. Like, I can't tell you how many different kits Narat Kirini has in them. Like it's a ton, but then I would just, I, you know, I, I had a bunch of Mark two and a bunch of Mark three and four and uh, five and six. And, and I actually had a bunch of like leftover Mark seven. So I drilled them out and put glass beads into them to make them Mark five and I, like added bonding studs to them. Um, and then I just threw all the bits in a bag and I would kind of like pull them out almost at random. Uh, and then, you know, I might swap a bit here and there just to make it a little more aesthetically pleasing, but um yeah they're they're all converted i i like i reread their section in book six i don't know how many times to really get the idea of who these guys were uh and i've got either um you know mirror coins on their belt to show you know back their their heritage from traveling with the sons of horus or i've got terran jade or little motifs or this and that and and every every model in the army really looks and feels like a character nice i like the sound of that man they really do i mean was there when it comes to like black shields as a whole or as a as like a faction playable faction whatever um mm-hmm. was it was it the ashen claws that got was it going from you know going to the ashen claws and going like i want to do this and then you know black shields fit or was it like i want to play black shields and this sort of harmonizes together was there was there any particular direction that way for you or um so i actually got turned on to them by playing the legions card game on my iphone oh wow um yeah and i'd gotten like narrant kirini and i was like fuck this guy looks rad and i kind of like kind of like his vibe and and so i looked up on him and then i was like oh holy shit like the ashen claws are this whole thing and then i found out that they were in book six so they're actually like designed with black shield rules in mind like there's a a good chunk of book six is uh, lore is actually about them. And one of the legendary missions is actually an Ashen Claw mission. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, they don't really tell you how to make them with the black shield rules, but from what I could extract from their, their bit was the, um, and I'm drawing a blank on what it was called now, but it was like the void, the void ones, like the ones that could deep strike and stuff. Mm-hmm. and could take Xenos Deathlocks because they came, they were out in the Ghoul Stars forever and then came out and just started like haranguing Night Lords and anyone else who got in the way. 
And they've actually carved out the Nostromo sector and have it as like their own independent empire. And that actually still exists like forward into 40K. Um, and they kind of have like tenuous relationships with the Carcharodons, who are, you know, a breakaway of the Terran 19th. They're freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, the, the Red Wakes gauntlet things are actually built by like an Ashen Claw. He wins them from an Ashen Claw in a duel. Nice. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, fuck, these guys are rad. And then I started playing with Liss. And I love the sort of duality of using that particular rule set because like as soon as you've lost like half of your units uh you got to start taking morale checks for every single unit and if you fail one then it just leaves it just quits the field and it counts as destroyed like they just get out of there proper fuck this i'm out of here (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and so it gives a lot of like tactical flexibility and it has you know like i mentioned i was able to put a lot of sort of shenanigans in there which i enjoy uh none of which worked out against jp uh and and he stomped the absolute <laughs> crap out of me uh but we had one really you know tender moment between Nerat Kearney and Krios Dracontides where Nerat Kearney was it was it two or three rounds of combat oh it was three full rounds of combat against Krios um a Primus Medicae a siege breaker and i think there was at least like six tyrants left and Jesus. motherfucker wouldn't i'm sorry i'm not uh, am i supposed to swear on this no, you're, not, you're good you're good okay motherfucker would yeah. not die like literally yeah. like I, I couldn't take fought a, them by himself and and ev- eventually he does go down but takes creos out with them it was glorious that sounds like an epic duel it's one of those that i should be embarrassed about like because my side didn't do well but at the same time it's such a beautiful like it's such a cool like narrative moment that was Keith heresy narrative stuff, man. There's nothing to be shared, to be ashamed about that one. That that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's got he's got a, quite the collection of heads under his belt now. I actually played these guys on mini wargaming. That was actually my first game with them, um, and uh, that was last year, I think. Yeah, and um, and Nerat Kearney, uh and his squad actually fought and killed Kurs. Uh, and then went on to kill Krios Dracontides. Somewhere in there, he killed like Maria's Blood Angels guys, a whole bunch. Like, really ran a train through them. But he's a real head yeah, taker, is what you say. He's the world heavyweight champion. <laughs> yeah, I should, maybe if I had used him in the uh, Praetor wrestling, I actually would have won. Yeah, he's a paper champ. I, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, <laughs> he's a paper champ. Yeah. <laughs> well no he's just winning through the indies he doesn't yeah that's right he used to win a major like a, a, a major promotion championship just go, going going through the indies just taking heads and hopefully an adepticon <laughs> yeah yeah um unfortunately yeah i don't know like well he needs his rule set back right so um he yeah. wasn't like this crazy beat stick he was just really durable so i used to use um the uh the nemean reavers rules for him so he doesn't get like a lot of attacks. His weapon doesn't have instant death, um, but he's toughness five with Eternal Warrior because Narat Kirini's character throughout all the background of his lore is like this guy just survives. Like you can't, you can't get rid of him. It's no argument by the sounds of that on that front. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Form, dude. <laughs> That's pretty but, awesome. Yeah. So that that was my second one. Um, very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, I've got to ask Freddie. 
after right. the after the huge mail order bonanza that you put together and got your world eaters together and everything. I, I think everyone knows what my answer is going to be now. And but but yeah. yes, what was your second <laughs> army? What 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 from your first <laughs> army influenced it in any way, shape, or form? Uh, it was perfection. Perfection. <laughs> perfection because you know uh going uh i, I kind of like uh after i went all bonanza fucking beating the shit out of everything and and basically world eaters special troops are their basic troops <laughs> which i use berserkers um and i had the three leviathans in drop pods all close combat fucking craziness uh because my first army i forgot to say it was also like it was based on istvan 3 like the entire fucking army is dropping in Mm-hmm. So my second thought, okay, I need someone for them to fight against. Uh, so I was going to do like Soul Tavis and Loyalist uh, Empress Children to fight against the World Eaters. Beautiful. Nice. Um, and that's how I got. And then obviously I couldn't help myself because once you started to babble down the path of perfection... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can't help yourself. You had to have the Phoenician. You couldn't just go Loyalist. You had to you know, may, maybe the loyalists were wrong. Maybe, maybe actually it was Fulgrim that was right, and maybe you should strive for perfection. And then, you know, yeah, I now have two Fulgrims, <laughs> and, and so on and so on. <laughs> um, one with actually Korak's head because I like that better on him. Yeah, actually, now that you mention that, that would be good. I made a helmet for my Fulgrim, um, but the Korak's head would have been good. I still have, so I have an extra one if anyone needs it. Oh, there you go. An extra oh. Korax head, because I put a helmet on Korax, too. Yeah, not a spare Korax. Nobody, no, nobody's getting a free Korax out of this. But there's Yeah, a yeah, no one can have a free, yeah, no one can have a free Korax. Just his mug. But but the thing is, like, my, my Empress Children army has grown. Uh, so first, it started out with, like, a Loyalist Survivor's foot slogging. And uh, a lot of them based on the Vision of Heresy artwork. Then uh, uh, Niklas Merke had like an Iron Hands armored company, lots of tanks. And I was like, well, whatever another Legion can do, I can do better. So I did like an <laughs> Empress Children armored company, which I brought to Texas and Adepticon. Uh, and then we suddenly had like fucking uh, Raven Guards with uh, recon squads and Seekers and stuff. Same same with Alpha Legion. So I did like ra- like... Empress Children, Seekers, and and um, Scouts, because I wanted to do that better, obviously. Uh, and then I had my own, <laughs> like, uh, World Eaters, Beat Stick, fucking close combat army. So I did, like, uh, heaps of uh, Palatine Blades and close combat units, because obviously I can do that better, because I'm better than everyone else. What, what what you're saying is is that there's an ongoing theme here, um, somewhere between uh, what would I, what do we want to call it, um, perfection and narcissism, uh, and and then I had like pon- like Pontus Pons of Horrors, uh, heaps of, uh, or if it was like all the Terminators, you can fucking put a stick at. So obviously I got fuckloads of Terminators, a Mastodon, and I can do that better. <laughs> so oh, yeah, there's a, there's a very solid common theme coming through on this second army. And then, and then, and then I faced some stupid Iron Hand player that had like killer bots. So I was like, well, do you know what's better than Iron, Iron Warrior killer bots? Empress Children killer bots. Children killer bots. <laughs> <laughs> so I got like Empress Children Castlax. 
I'm get, I'm going to get you an Annie Oakley T-shirt or something. Just anything you can do, I can do better, man. Exactly. <laughs> just do it in purple with full grim on the front, just in his full full Annie Oakley getup. I will still remember that army for one of the f- most fun and also funniest games I've ever played at Depticon at like two in the morning. Oh, do you mean the drunk game between you and Freddy? Uh, well, there was also Sean and and, and uh, Ryan. Uh, we were uh, playing with as well. Oh, and, that was it. It was a yeah. two by two by two, wasn't it? Yeah. When when I rolled fucking seventeen ones in a row. Well, no, but it's because every time you'd roll your die, perfection, and then every time it was a one. Every fucking no joke. Every time it was a one, perfection. <laughs> it was a one, and it was so funny because it kept getting funnier every single time. <laughs> yeah, we we wanted to make you custom dice, which had just the, the word perfection on the one. <laughs> Nothing could be more perfect. No. <laughs> ah, wonderful memories. Just wonderful memories. And of uh, course, everybody got mad at me after you had an illegal list. It's like, it was two in the morning. I'm sorry, my list was illegal. I'm not exactly good at list making. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot, like, for, like, the, was it, like, the second Raltech I played in Denmark? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, like, a, an, um, what do they call the yellow ones? Again, fucking Imperial Fist. Imperial Fist. <laughs> Imperial Fist fucking holding the castle army. So I brought... And Empress Children hold the castle army like the the only ten man plasma cannon heavy weapons support squad you have ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> uh, and they fucking held that fort. Uh-huh. I, I held the fort for the entire fucking uh, tournament. You and me both, man. And I also had three 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 chairs and three three uh, and because you know you can have rapiers, laser destroyers. You can have rapier grab cannons. Everyone thinks they can do rapiers better, but hey. Being Empress Children, I'll bring my heavy bolter rapiers, right? Because I'll still be better than you. I don't need no extra fluff. Threat perfection. And I also had my Empress Children psyker, you know, because, you know, apparently word, word bearers think using psychic power is cool, but I can do that better too. <laughs> Honestly, I, we, we could say that uh, uh, Freddy's uh, Empress Children are the MJF of 30K. Good. Yes, absolutely. Salt of the earth, but absolutely perfect. Better than you, and you know it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> During the Adepticon mega battle, my fucking Sikaron uh, Venators, they did all the heavy lifting for the entire treasure side. Stunning Warlord Titans and sh- <laughs> You know, they were the bee's knees. Uh, they were perfection, as you might say. They were perfection. Nice. Also, that's a very Emperor Children tank with a massive dildo like and, and a chassis. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to say it's like the um, the Raven Guard and the uh, whatever it is, the one with the double version of that cannon. But that's you, you know, know that cannon that's like double cannon. Yeah, <laughs> but it's stealthy. <laughs> Something with like yeah. a big massive dildo shooting a big massive white stream towards like a big robot titan. It's just perfection. Uh, perfection. If anybody ever had to question anything about the Emperor's children, that is your answer. <laughs> Simple as. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, that because coming back to that that infamous two a.m. doubles drunk game and and everything going on, uh, JP, my buddy, what you know, we we talked obviously we talked about the Iron Wars because fourth forever. Um, but who was what was your second army and how did the Iron Warriors influence it in any particular way? It's a weird question to answer because if anything, my second army influenced my first. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, tell because, us how, my friend. Uh, it's, 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 it's odd. I am not one of those people that just starts new armies all the time. 
I've really only had three armies in all the time that I've played this game since like 93. Uh, and one of them was never, my Death Guard really never, I never finished painting them and I never, um, I used them a bit, but it never really became an army as far as I'm concerned. Um, which is one of the reasons I moved on from it. But um, I was I was an Imperial Guard player as soon as the, I guess, you know all the regiments that came out in, in metal kits back in like 93, 94? As soon as that dropped, I saw the Valhallans. It's like that's uh-huh. that's 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 what I'm about. The Valhallans. I got my first kit for Christmas 1994, and it was awesome. Uh, and and that's what I, I played for the first. I don't know for for decade and a half. Um, and 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 so then I started my Death Guard, and again, never really went, um, never really turned into what I would consider a full army. And the question um, posed was about armies. Um, so the Iron Warriors, that definitely became a real army, painted everything. It was, it was, it was quite proud of a lot of my work, especially back then. Um, and, and then, uh, Tempest came out and it's like, oh, oh, I can pull out all those Valhallans from the closet, paint them up again. And now I can play my first love as my second army. That's why I say it's a, it's a, it's a, and if anything, uh, my interest in the Iron, uh, Iron Warriors is the same reason I like the Imperial Guard. It's grounded. I, I I've always been interested with, um, you know, you have uh, the, the the Blood Angels that are in, in immaculate, uh, uh, often nipply armor uh, with gold trim and 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 fancy weapons, jumping around the battlefield, being all glorious. Um, that's never been me. I I want my uh, my 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 sad conscript with a mass-produced last gun that's sent to an impossible situation and will certainly die and be forgotten. I love the poignancy and the darkness of the universe, and the Imperial Guard is the poignancy and the darkness of the universe. Um, I, 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 I gravitate to to um, to that particular. Uh, I, I, I gravitate to uh, to this kind of uh, more horrific side uh, of the universe. Um, so my first level is Imperial Guard. Uh, got into Iron Warriors for a similar reason that I love the Imperial Guard. But as soon as I could play my militia, I pulled everything out of the out of the boxes and started repainting them, um, making them look a little bit nicer, and and that's my second army, um, my Imperial Militia. And um, the, and I, I from the very beginning, since I'm not the kind of person that tends to, when I get into something, I get into it hard. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't just pick up a hobby. I'll have a podcast about it. Um, so, um, if I was going to get into, when I was into my Iron Warriors, it's like, well, if I'm going to have another army, it has to connect to the Iron Warriors in some fashion. And that's how I, I came out with, uh, um, uh, uh, Creole Strachantides, the Eater of Men. The Eater of Men, of course, is the nickname for Charles Jean, uh, which was a World War I French general who was relieved of command because his offenses were too costly. In the French army in 1916, his offenses were considered too costly in World War I, uh, and, wow. and, um, he was relieved from command. Because he was so aggressive, but that said, he was also the only full general in the Great War who was known to have led charges himself, under the under the belief that he, uh, he would never ask someone else to do something he would not do himself. Um, so that and his nickname was the Eater of Men, right? Magé, Magé, uh, well, Magé in French is to eat, Magé, and 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 his name was Magé, so he became the Eater of Men. Um, and so I kind of borrowed that from it, and and that's when. These two armies that I have kind of connect together because there's a heavy militia component within uh, my 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 Iron Warriors, and I rarely play them apart. Frankly, at Adepticon this year is um, maybe the first time since Tempest that I played the Iron Warriors without any militia allies. 
um, and I realize I only have two tro troops choices. <laughs> I only have two Astartes troop choices because usually the militia uh, do the whole, uh, sitting on uh, on objectives. Um, and I play the militia more often by themselves, and I play my 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 Iron Warriors. But so again, in the way that my first influenced my second uh, army, and my second influenced my first. Uh, um, uh, it, it wasn't that I wanted to do something different, or it wasn't that I. It really gave me an opportunity to go back to my first love and also to connect things together narratively, which is what I love. Um, you will never have me on the show to talk about rules. What I love is the narrative. What makes this hobby special to me, and I think it's special to a lot of us, is that ability to insert narrative. Uh, unlike, you know, a Star Wars Legion, it's like, okay, I choose Darth Vader as my commander. It's like, okay, you can do a Primarch, but a lot of this game is about making your own characters, making your own story, forging the narrative, if you will. So that's why my second um, my second army is, is is special to me and how I, I I chose it really was an excuse to go back to my first love and integrate that into my hobby. Nice, I love it. And if you want to find a fantastic way to forge your own narrative, head on over to the Push for Big Garmin. <laughs> keep going, keep going, bro. Keep going. Get it in there. I'm gonna stop. You get it in there. Yeah, link in the show notes. Never stop forging narrative. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, don't ever, like, man. This is not the podcast to not get your get your stuff in on. I mean, just just do it. We we love that stuff. But you're not wrong. No, that, that, was, that was about it. I just thought that would be funny. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> that's very cool, JP. I mean, I, I, that's one of the things I, I love in general is that that whole for yourself and others. I mean, Alex, you've talked about it before as well about taking taking history, actual history, and having it not just be reflected, but inform on the creation and choices and style of an army um, is, is something that I'm not very good at myself uh, because I'm not as well versed in historic history in that respects, but I, I think it's, it's awesome. And I also, I prefer, I, I feel better about an army when I try and do something like that myself, even if it's just from, you know, literally just from 30k fluff history, you know, from taking something from there, I feel better about it than just here's my Primark, here's my elites, here's my, you know, troop choices and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I love that. And again, I will say it does come across in your campaign events when you talk about that stuff as well. So it's very, very cool. I guess it's my turn, really, isn't it? Because this, this is kind of what prompted the whole idea of talking about this is... I'm currently. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. wait, wait! If you oh, don't right. do the if you don't do the bit the Garmin one, I can tell you like in 2013 when I started like a slow build uh, mm -hmm. uh, thingy with Horus Heresy to actually because I had no one to play in Sweden, I just moved there. Uh, we did like uh, we started out with Centurions and small. Uh, well, there was no Centurions roles, but we started out with like Centurions, and then we did like a background story, and the background story formed by each battle you wrote, so we did like little battle reports. We should get back to doing that stuff, I think. Yeah, we should fucking talk about... We should have an episode where we talk about I, different ideas about building your army based on narrative. Start a narrative campaign. Start the easiest... Yeah. Uh, the, the, the easiest thing you can possibly do is start a narrative campaign with without structure in that you play a game, and depending on what happens to that game, informs the next one. It's like, what would be cool is, mm -hmm. okay, so I just had this crushing victory and took this bridge. would be really cool if there was a counterattack, or after this bridge, I'm trying to make a breakthrough into the cities. Um, having that kind of, of narrative without a strict structure is the easiest way to actually create 
uh, characters and, and often or create narrative and often it'll happen without you even noticing it. Like that one sergeant that just keeps on 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 winning uh, uh, um, winning challenges or something like that. Well, suddenly he's being promoted um, and he becomes this character and you have that backstory uh, that's attached to it. It's the easiest way to do this. So we're gonna we, we're gonna be doing an event uh, an episode in the not so distant future where the four of us get together again and go through this because that is its own topic. But pretty much what JP said. But let's expand on that in the future um, because I I want to be part of that as a longer discussion. Um, but yeah, I guess we were talking about ideas for an episode, and uh, Henry and everybody sort of knows that I'm working on Space Wolves at the moment. Although technically, Space Wolves aren't my second army. Um, my first army love, as I said, it's always been the Iron Warriors. I don't have them anymore. They they got sold on a long time back. But I'd always had a plan to have some sort of militia related to them. And I'd been reading uh, some of the different books and got a copy of the Rogue Trader uh, roleplay game. And oh, yeah. It, yeah, I know, right? Uh, but it just came to my mind that you know, uh, there were rogue traders out and about during during the heresy, or you know, after you know uh, when it came back to ex- expanding the uh, the Imperium and everything, they were used. So it's like, I love that story. Let's do let's do something based around that. So technically, my second army was actually the like I said, the three thousand points of rogue trader militia that I have sitting over in a box, waiting for PDF rules to come out. But I'd always said, if I was ever going to make, actually physically do a a playable army, I would do Space Wolves. I've always loved Space Wolves. They were the models that... I I never collected an army of them in 40k, but they were the army that I bought the most models for. Because they always had the coolest looking characters. Like, Ragnar was always one of my favourites. Najal Stormcaller. Amazing. Ulrich, the wolves, you know... Ulrich the Slayer, brilliant model. Um, I always loved their, their sort of aesthetic. And yeah, about three weeks ago, uh, <laughs> through a conversation on our Discord channel, which you can join by going to our podcast uh, Facebook group and joining via the link there. If you're going to advertise Alex, so am I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there, we were in a chat and we were, you know, we, we've got this podcast challenge about painting up a prayer tour for Scandus and I'd chosen Space Wolves and I sort of taken the lead on the console episodes and the Space Wolves and stuff. And we were just sort of talking and it's like, you know, you need an army to play. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, I've got about X many troops. And after a very quick conversation, I suddenly had an army um, that was being sent my way uh, in various forms of, you know, new models, old models, uh, models that are created by printers, stuff like that. Um and then I suddenly said, you know what? I'm going to try and paint that all in time. You know, I've always said Space Wolves were going to be my, my next Marine army, but um, it, it took, it, it, it was totally influenced by the fact that, one, I love them, but two, they are very much more than they seem, and they are very much the opposite to the Iron Warriors in my eyes, mm. as in they're very much rush forward, get into somebody's face, you know, get into combat, do lots of nasty stuff and move on. Whereas I've always played my Iron Warriors more sit back, traditional, like, you know, maybe not the rights of wars. I never played 
Ironfire. I always played Hammer of Olympia for that sweet fourth heavy support slot. Um, but I would have, you know, maybe one or two assault units that would go forward and do combat, but only after the unit they went into had been severely softened up by artillery, because that's how you win. Um, but, you know, we sort of decided that this... This army needed to be something different. I needed something to be a bit more interesting and be a bit of a push. Um, so we went very heavy, you know, it's like 65, 68 troop models uh, or, car yeah, foot models. Um, there's like two units of maxed out units of Grey Slayers, a couple of tactical squads. You know, it's it's all built for going forward, which is completely out of my comfort zone. But I'm hoping that I'll be able to play it in such a way that it also ties back to some of the fluff. Because, um, again, I've said it before in the cast, I love uh, Prospero Burns. I think that book is amazing, the way it's told. It is profoundly divisive. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you're a man who knows, you've talked a lot about the books in, in the past, JP, and still do. I mean, what's the general divisiveness? Because for me... When I read it, when I or when I listen to it, it portrays it portrays the the wolves in probably the best light that I've seen them uh, outside of Wolfsbane, probably. And it's just the you know they they're happy to portray the the dumb feral image, but they do some very smart stuff because they're very capable of it. And that's what I liked about them, and that's what sort of sold me on them as. Probably the only Loyalist Legion I like, uh, even though I'm actually trying to play this one as sort of can play either way, Loyalist or Traitor, depending on what we need. But what's what's the divisiveness of them, dude? Tell me about it. Uh, there's been a lot of... Okay, number one is a simple one, is that uh, it's a book called Prospero Burns, but you don't really get to see Prospero Burning. Um, there's very little about that. Um, I think that... A lot of people didn't like uh, the way that the Space Wolves were portrayed. I personally... I agree with you. I think it was very well done. Um, a lot of it is also the fact that everything comes from an ex uh, external character in that you have Casper Hauser and and uh, he's the main viewpoint character. And so the wolves are almost like the route is um, almost viewed from, from outside, which is kind of what Dan Abnett was going for. Um, again, I liked it. A lot of people didn't like it as much. Um, but fundamentally, uh, there 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 are a lot of uh, Space Wolves uh, fans that that did not like the characterization um, uh, that much. I think that the one that I think there is roughly consensus on is the novella about the uh, the Battle of Alexis. What the hell was that called? Oh, you're asking the wrong man here. Is that the one by Gav Thorpe? No, it's by Chris Rate. Um, okay, what is the name of the book? I was thinking of the, th uh, the basically the Thirteenth Warrior ripoff by Gav Thorpe, which is one of the short stories. Wolf, Wolf King, uh, Wolf King by Chris Wright is is as far as I know from from having um, you know like um, discussed a lot of these books because uh, it's kind of what we do. Wolf King is is often seen as uh, the best uh, um, portrayal of of the wolves um, of the route. Um, but I really love Prosper Burns. I think it's a challenging book, uh, which mm -hmm. I think it's because I, I think at the end of the day, 
Again, you don't see Prosper Burns. You see the Space Wolves only through a third-party viewpoint character. Um, and a lot of it is Casper Hauser's journey rather than I think a lot of people would have expected it to be Lehman Russ's journey. Um, and, and so I think some Space Wolf uh, players got felt like they got cheated out of a book. How is how, that? Uh, how would we put it like that? I mean, that I'm, that's fair. I can appreciate that. I think it's also kind of interesting because i think that's a very dan abnett way of doing things absolutely i mean legion is an amazing book but that's from you know not directly from an astartes point of view per se abnett is always at his best when he's writing um human beings um his yeah. best books uh, besides uh like legion for example um most of his best books are like uh, in the Gaunt's Ghost uh, series. I, I still think Armor of Contempt is the best description of a planetary invasion and just like what that would require, uh, um, especially when you don't have a ton of Astartes uh, going in. Um, I, I, I think that that's Dan Abnett's comfort zone. I feel that when he does too many Astartes, especially too many Primarchs, uh, especially in Unremembered, uh, Un Unremembered Empire, for example, it tends to feel a little superhero it felt it kind of feels like a superhero story, uh, which of course Dan Abnett also is a uh, comic book writer. Um, but uh, I personally disagree with um, the criticisms of Prosper Burns because I think it really is a challenging, very well written, and very intelligent um, uh, novel, and it really gets to the point that the the wolves put on, as you said, the wolves put on an air of being these savages, where in truth um, they're very aware that they're putting this on. Uh, and and they're using it to their own to, to their own advantage. Um, Wolf King's another great example that you mentioned, and also Lehman Russ, the Great Wolf, the Primark novel, also kind of delves into that particular theme. Yeah. So I mean, it's there's a lot to it, and I, I that like I said that that was my that was actually my main drive for for um, why they the wolves have become my you know second stroke third army um, in in the heresy and. Yeah, I, I I just like the the thought. Um, how do how do how do I put it? So somebody who um, I respect very much is very much into Dungeons and Dragons. It's like when he creates a new character, he tries to build his character around a question. So you know what would be what would it be like if this was the case for this particular character, and then build the character around that. I try and I like to try and pick something. Uh, along those lines of this is the theme this is why you know what is this going to do for me as a gamer you know what what can i do differently than i did the last time and it just so happened that the wolves were a perfect fit um for my you know the opposite of the iron warriors um i think to, if i'm honest the um the militia if I'm, depending on what rules come back for them is also very much a difference to the way I played my Iron Warriors because they were going to be more elite. You know, I was going for, um, what's it called? Uh, advance? No. Survivors of the Dark Age. Thank you very much, yes. Basically, I was going yeah. for um, Toughness 3 Space Marines and seeing what I could do with a rogue trader based around that. What would it be like to try and run an elite version of uh, a militia, basically? Um, so that was sort of the question I, I was asking myself. So yeah, that's that's why I've gone wolves, and I'm I'm fully loving and regretting doing it at the same time <laughs> because I'm not going to get three thousand points done in time for sc Scandus. It's not going to happen. I need six hands uh, and six arms, and probably other people to help me do it all in time. Um, 
I'm going to try and crank out as much as much as I can to a decent enough standard. I'll bring him with me and show people anyway, so that'll be cool. But if you haven't read Wolf King, I highly recommend it. It's it's a fantastic novella. It's not long either. It's like 100 pages. I actually don't think I have personally, so I will get on that. Actually, I'm going to see if I can if they've got it. I wonder if they've got it in audiobook format because that would be kind of useful. Um, I can listen to that when I'm on t- uh, dialysis. But anyway, I'll I'll get on to that. Is there and again, open question to because I've rambled on a bit about fluff there as well. Is there anything fluff wise that you particularly love about or, or really sells you on your on your your newer you know your second army? Was there something that you know a book, a story, anything that just made you go, yeah, this just this just sings to me. This is this is what I'm I'm aiming for, or you know, you maybe drew drew inspiration from, like I said, uh, uh, with uh, Prospero Burns, for example. Um, anything for anyone there? Who who wants to start? Every, <laughs> everyone knows which book I'm gonna pick. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so my my next like formation of Raven Guard are kind of a combination of one a character that's coming out of the push for Beta Garmin, just Ooh. to like to um, to JP's point. Like sometimes the character that you never expected it to be their story, much like Prosper Oberon's was Casper Hauser's story, the character you didn't expect actually starts to get promoted and become the real, the real, uh, the real protagonist of your story. And now, like I, I don't even want to finish my Blood Angels just now because I want to do these these guys so quickly, but I'm gonna hold true. Um, and uh, but it's uh, it, it was a vigilator that I I only gave a name actually, so that I could create this, the write-up in the story for Gareth Arendi, who's a character that I've been using as a Praetor for a long time. And he's a character from from the lore. And I called him Corin Nell. And Gareth Arendi didn't do shit except run away like a bitch, which is pretty much all he does in the lore. Uh, and Corin actually sniped a chaplain out of a, out of a group of Galforvac on their charge up to him. And then he fought with the Charnable Saber in a duel against Erebus and killed Erebus. And so now he's like, he's going to be my new, <laughs> my new main guy. And so I want to do a lot of like infiltrating despoilers using um, uh, like Primaris Reaver arms with those big like serrated combat knives as the chain swords. Uh, and then back that up with, you know, like a, instead of a command squad, I'm going to create like a really specialist squad of more Dathan because you can really mix up the weapons in there, give them different Charnable Sabers, Tabars, whatever, um, put a medic, and I want to put uh, some kind of a tech marine with that unit too. Um, just so like, you know, he gets off his fan and now he's really just like, this is the group that he got off his fan with and this is their fucking adventures across the galaxy now. This this is the boys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's a unit of specialists that just don't fuck around, and then you know he's got whatever else is around him as well. Please, could you, Alex, would you do one thing for me? Mm-hmm. Could you possibly name one of the characters in the army uh, either Murdoch, Mister T, or Face? Because this sounds like the A team, if ever I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably can. I think Murdoch works as a name, though. I think it does actually. Yeah, Murdoch was pretty good. Um, yeah, which was Murdoch was the pilot, right? Yep. Ah, shit. Well, maybe what I'll do is I'll actually just like put Murdoch on the side of like the fire raptor, 
yeah <laughs> gonna put in there oh that would be cool like just put mad murdoch on the side of it um <laughs> and, uh, i love you dude that's that's amazing <laughs> yeah i love it when a plan comes together yeah maybe i'll do that yeah instead of uh <laughs> instead of victorious os uh, mortis on the side i'll put victorious os murdoch <laughs> yes you need you need to fucking convert a cigar for the praetor yeah maybe <laughs> That's hilarious. Mr. T uh, head is already in the new. Uh, it's like you get that with the Mark uh, Six Marines, like with the. Yeah, yeah, you do. Only missing like some gold chains. <laughs> well, what I might do actually is I'll put them in there because one of the so you can take a melt a gun on uh, on one of your more Dathan, and normally you'd be like, why the fuck would I spend twenty points on that or whatever it costs? Uh, but I want one to be like a breacher, so he's just gonna have like a melt a gun and put like he's gonna have like a. A Chernobyl axe or a power axe or something on his belt, and I'll just maybe put a helmet on his belt or something instead of having him wear the helmet. Maybe I'll do that. That'll be cool. I like it. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it, there, there's a short story in the Raven Guard uh, compendium, Korax, not the Primark novel, um, where like they're down to like a handful of more Dathan left uh, when they get to Yerend, and so now these guys are running like solo operations kind of solid snake style and so um it's it's where like a lot of these operators are kind of inspiring me um and i'll probably really play up the, the sergeants so that way if if we ever get like a kill team version i can actually just run like a kill team of like more dathans oh that would be tasty and just run them on like urant yeah well that sounds really fun yeah i like that jp anything from you bud as future uh future narrative elements yeah, future narrative. Anything that it, you know, anything, anything specifically influenced narrative-wise, or your second army, or it's, uh, what have you got in mind for the future? I spoke a little bit about uh, about the idea of having a um, an army that. What I like about the militia list, let's put it this way: what I like about the militia list is it really does feel like that original concept of the Imperial Guard. That you know, this is meat for for the grinder. Um, this is not a heroic age. This is an age of horrors. And it, it, so the, the, there's a lot of that that I, I really like. And I like how that interacts with um, the Iron Warriors um, and the way that they use... Because remember, they were called the Corpse Grinders for the way that they use their, um, their militia allies. So that was a huge uh, um, um, influence. There's also... Uh, 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 as for like a, uh, like an aesthetic element, uh, I've definitely been influenced by this entirely fictional and hilariously non-historical movie called Enemy at the Gates, which I still love. Um, it's so good. It's so good. It, but it's so ahistorical and you cannot... T- it's Starship Troopers. It's, it's as historically accurate as, as Starship Troopers. Most of what happens in the film is completely made up and completely fictional. The Red Army never sent anybody into action without uh, without rifles because... It's a waste of a body. Like, why would you... How useful are they going to be? They, 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 It really is a complete uh, work of fiction and a hilariously... At the end of the day, it's a bad movie, unlike Starship Troopers, which is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, and Vasily Zeitz have never banged a chick that hot. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, having Zaitsev as uh, as as kind of like a political person, he was a diehard communist. 
Yeah, and they, they they treat him like this this dumb peasant from the Urals who is completely apolitical because that's the only way they could get that movie made, right? The Soviet Union, ha- yeah. the Red Army has to look evil, otherwise that movie doesn't get made in the last and towards the end of the nineties. Um, and it's also pretty much Wehrmacht propaganda because the whole idea of the human wave attacks and and um, after the war, to put it as, as simply as possible, I won't go into a big rant about this, but after the war, uh, when the Iron Curtain essentially went up. Um, in the West, we had the, the, the West had no idea what had happened in the East. Um, the Soviet Union wasn't talking, you know, we, uh, the East and the West, not exactly on speaking terms. Um, and so they asked the only people that were available, and they asked the Wehrmacht. They asked old German generals what happened, like Guderian, who survived the war, right? They asked what happened in the East. And they told their side of the story, which was incredibly biased. And essentially, they told this tale about the Red Army. Uh, they just got swallowed up by this Asiatic horde, right? The, the Germans, the, there's just there's just so many... There's so many uh, Soviets that there's nothing you can there's nothing you could do. They were sending human waves attacks, and however good the German Wehrmacht was, however we were the greatest army on earth, and it just we got swamped by Asiatic hordes. That's not what happened. When the when the wall fell in 1991, uh, well 89 it fell, but like 1991 when the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, a bunch of uh, historians got to work in the Soviet archives, and realized oh that's not what happened at all. They were fucking lying to us because they were telling a story that flattered their own egos, right? Most people, mm-hmm. when they write about themselves, when they write their 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 autobiographies, they don't. They 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 tend to flatter their own egos. They, with the with the exception of uh, Thomas De, uh, uh, De Aquinas, who uh, wrote his autobiography called Confessions, where he just wrote about all the horrible shit he's ever done. But outside of that, most people writing their biographies, when you ask them what happened, you're going to get a very biased opinion. So we got the Wehrmacht side of the story, and that's what Entity the Gates is. It's essentially the Wehrmacht's um, side of, of, of what happened in, 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 on the Eastern Front. That said, I still like that movie. It's a piece of trash, but I like <laughs> trashy movies. So... I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie too. But t- t- here's the thing: it's 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 not a good World War II movie, right? It's not an accurate World War II movie. But fuck, is it ever not an accurate 40k movie? <laughs> yeah, I can yeah, see that's that. Fair, yeah, I I only like it for the first 15 minutes. Then it becomes some sort of weird <laughs> love movie that I have no idea. But what the fuck is going on? A lot of sniper action's pretty good, and it's so hammy. It's such a hammy movie. Yeah, it is. Chris is so good in that movie. Yep. Yeah, the love triangle is super weird. <laughs> oh, man. And that whole but... speech at the end, like Danilov's whole speech about there is no new man. <laughs> because like some guys, what an incel, because of one girl rejected him. Yeah. He gives up his entire ideological like framework. Yeah. He's such an incel. Yeah, communism's a it's, fucking lie. I mean, that's how it happens these days. One girl rejects him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna kill myself." He's such a loser. Again, it's a piece of trash. It's a total piece of trash. Yeah. But again, that did. If you're asking like things that that didn't influence the way that I play my guard, I don't play it like the World War II Red Army. I don't play uh, uh, Flames of War or um, Bolt Action, I, but I, I play them like Enemy at the Gates. That's why I sent in. 80 men to try to take down Angron. Uh, take out Angron, and Angron killed them all. He had one wound left, and somehow he managed to cut through 80 militia. Because he's Angron. That's the army I play, because it's not an accurate World War II army, but it's an accurate 30k army. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Absolutely beautiful. Was that too much of a rant on, on Enemy of the Gates? I apologize. It gets my anger up. Nah, man. Just... <laughs> 
It's all good. I mean, if you, I, I could go on a semi rant about like the Mutant Chronicles movie. <laughs> How that's yeah. just about 30k, 40k. What a missed opportunity for a great like set of lore. I mean, seriously, come on. That is just it's just amazing. Uh, and Ron Perlman's fucking amazing as always, and so is Thomas Jane. Um, I love those dudes in the and movie. And he was also but... great in Enemy of the Gates. Yeah. Is that the movie where they fucking like walk into hell on like a mission? Yeah, they go down they go... Or is that a different film? Uh, uh, walking to hell. Yeah, there's like a group of them. They're armed with uh, their military weapons and swords, and they're yeah, fighting yeah. basically a techno zombie um, yeah. machine at the core of the planet. Yeah, that's the one. It's brilliant, and it's super dystopian yeah. because even the even the ending is dark, and you just go, oh, oh, okay then. Uh, which I won't spoil, just in case nobody's who's anyone who's listening it just <laughs> wants to go and watch it because seriously, watch it. It's brilliant. Um, it, it, it reminds me as much of 40k as it does 30k uh, but what I would say is I've got to be honest when it comes to some influences I want to put into my army and kind of ties into a question I had about painting in general for painting and hobbying stuff for everyone as well is um, the 13th warrior mm, that I, adore that, I adore that movie uh, I, mean, it I is, actually haven't seen it Bro, come on, fix that. It's on Disney. Um, at least over here, it's on Disney Plus. Uh, if you can do it, VPN. Yeah, it's it's so good. And what I, I what I'm actually trying to take the it's that. And when it comes to the 30k fluff, there's the the whole thing about the wolves basically getting spun around by the Alpha Legion and White Scars. It's a very small piece of lore. Um, yeah, but because I want to be able to play this particular army as something that can play both sides. So effectively loyalist and traitor. Um, I'm my whole sort of background for them is that these guys got cut off during that conflict and haven't been able to reconnect and make a, make any sort of contact to work out or reliable contact. They have, but they, I get the feeling that they've got some sort of, you know, alpha legion infiltrator or something in there. It keeps messing with them because I, I want them to be able to play both sides. So um, that's the sort of 30k lore-ish kind of pull from fluff. But I want it very much like the gather combination of the gather together band of warriors, but also the slightly more uh, feral uh, feeling of the the quote unquote bad guys of 13th warrior with a lot of like i really want to go not try not to go super stylized like vikings per se but i want like if they've got you know if you haven't got a helmet on you've got face paint on you know it needs to feel relatively feral as an army so i've gone for lots of warm colors there's fur on every character you know and on a lot of the dude's shoulders and stuff like that so um yeah i i just like I said, I adore 13th Warrior. I could watch that movie on repeat. And it's, again, there's there's other aspects in there that I really like of, you know, the smart plays made by the people in charge to, to deal with other issues. And I'm trying not to spoil it because I really want you to see it, Alex. I really do. You'll, you'll, you'll genuinely love the movie. Um, but there are just some brilliant points in there where they go, where you just go, Oh shit! They are they are way smarter than they put over, and it's it just I think that's just really, really quality. I absolutely love that sort of stuff. 
Um, so yeah, and I want to do snow bases. <laughs> if I'm honest, I just yeah. want to make snow bases <laughs> because all I've done for like every army so far has basically been uh, has basically been like Mars red dust because it sets off Iron Warriors beautifully. You know the metal yeah. and mm-hmm. the, the red, yeah. gorgeous. But I wanted to do something completely different, so I want to play with some ice effects and you know do some painting effects on the bases and play with snow. Do you intend on using for your uh, for your snow effects? Well, um, I've got uh, on recommendation. I've got a forty milliliter pot of like an AK Interactive snow yeah. mix, uh, which I've been told is really good. Um, so I'm going to use that. But um, I can't. It's two things I want to do. I saw a. I mean, we all know there's like loads of how to use uh, like baking soda and stuff out there for for that sort of you know do that sort of thing. But I've been told to mix, uh, if I'm going to do that, to use either floor polish or um, potentially a high-quality PVA glue and mix in some white acrylic paint to stop the baking. Use white ink. Okay, just something to stop the baking soda discoloring, basically. Yeah, because it yellows. Yeah, exactly. So add some some sort of coloring in there. So that's one. But I saw another um, AK product ak interrupt like a like wet mud basically um yeah but I, I can't do both i can't afford i couldn't afford to get both but what i have got is liquid effect water uh, uh valeo liquid effect resin mm-hmm. water so i'm going to mix that with some pigment over the and sort of brush that onto parts of all the bases where there's sort of like a mud color underneath so it's gonna be like gray and mud basically across the base uh bases and then i'm gonna basically put the snow on there and then use it to make it look like melted melted dirty snow oh yeah that's that kind of looks like my uh, like what i what i did yeah i think so actually because it's 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 like the stuff that you did for your uh your militia if i'm right isn't it or is it the iron warriors my, my iron warriors they're they're both uh, yeah. based uh the same um one thing i found uh, so i tried tons of it. i used to use the um uh crushed glass for um yeah i was looking at that but don't it's just so toxic yeah. Here, here, so I got some of those AK products as well. My favorite is to um, to mix uh, equal parts of the AK terrain snow and the AK um, snow sprinkles, which is sort of a more crystally uh, kind of version of it, which has a little yeah. bit more texture. You mix them together and it actually looks just as good as the crushed glass. It's non-toxic. And if you really want to like, you know, you really want to to, to to go nuts, sprinkle a little bit of the uh, snow micro balloons. Wear a mask for that one because it's kind of... Yeah. But um, uh, I, I found that works incredibly well. It looks... Because um, the problem with just using um, the paste, so either the baking soda paste or the uh, the, the, the terrain snow uh, paste is it doesn't have a lot of volume to it. Maybe it's because I'm from Canada. Well, you're fucking... You guys are from Sweden. You know what I'm talking about. It needs to have a little bit of like... Of, of crystal uh look right um yeah needs yeah. to have a little bit more uh visual interest and more texture uh than just like a pasty color um it's not supposed to look like toothpaste so i found that a mix of those two ak products gives a, an incredibly good and very very easy uh snow nice well that actually helps me get along because we're moving on to sort of the, the last sort of question i've got more than anything else here and freddie uh i'm going to go to you on this one Yep. Uh, modeling techniques. Yep. Is there anything that you took over from, you know, your uh, World Eaters to the Empress Children? Because I'm guessing you're not going to cover them in a lot of blood. But is there anything you brought over or tried new for a first time? 
Uh, well, I actually like when when I painted my world eaters, I did that purely by brush, mm -hmm. and oh. and for Empress Children, I did by airbrush. So I did the whole pre-shade, uh, pre-highlight stuff, which was com completely new for me. So that was pretty good. Yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah, so it was a big big jump, and hence why that army is so much bigger. And I'm not going to, like, if I have to paint my, I have heaps of world leaders I want to paint now, but I have to paint that in the brush style that I'd used before, because otherwise I'll just have to repaint the entire army. That would be retarded. But it's kind of funny, though, because I can see a red thread, how I started out with my brushes using, like, a little bit of weathering, a little bit of blood and gore. And then I went into airbrush, and then I kind of went into oils and weatherings even more when I did my uh, Imperial Guard army, or my militia army for Team Flak Jacket. Mm -hmm. uh, team Flak Jacket forever. I want to join Team Flak Jacket. You, me too, <laughs> me, me too, bro. I want it on Team Flak Jacket. Uh, all you need to do is instill discipline and go to ground and let me do all the fucking strategic work and hard work. I held all the objectives. <laughs> Exactly. Go to ground. Still discipline. Yeah, exactly. And made sure that I was safe in the backfield, shooting at everyone. So, but so so I seen like I I can see how all my armies have evolved somehow in painting techniques, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. So I I really wanted to try on airbrushes, and that was like a big step for me. How about you, JP? Did anything you know sort of evolve from one to the other? Or is there anything well, you want to use in the future that you've you've come across? Uh, just quickly to uh, reiterate, uh, the big difference is when I started uh, redoing my militia is uh, the way that I was doing snow was just way too toxic. Like it, it's fine for like ten marines, uh, but doing hundred and twenty militia in with the uh, the crushed uh, the crushed glass is like I'm not doing this. I'm gonna die. <laughs> There's no like um, yeah. That, so so I changed to a less uh, toxic uh, method, which looks just as good. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, uh, camo. Uh, definitely learning to do camo um, without a stencil. Um, when, I, when I found a, a camouflage scheme I was happy with, so like a gray and white um, and, and heavily weathered afterwards, um, it, it's, it's try, you know, trying to get good at doing it without constantly having to go back and fixing it. And I don't think I've mastered it yet, but I've definitely gotten a lot better because when I started using an airbrush, it was really for, for base coats. And... And I still don't consider myself all that great at the uh, at the airbrush, but I've, I've gotten good enough at camo uh, schemes, at freehanding camo. What about you, Alex? Did the, have your black shields leveled up because of the Raven Guard, or is it you think vice versa, or you'll you'll do something different next time? Um, well, I, I really went for uh, well, I, I took a couple of techniques that I have largely adopted across my recent armies, like including my Blood Angels, but. Um, uh, I went for a lot more texture, a lot more weathering, mm -hmm. um, on the ash and claws. Uh, my, my Ravens look like such a motley crew because you can really kind of see the painting style evolve throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually maybe at some point I should take a picture of like, you know, an original Marine plus, you know, what I've got yes, please. now plus, you know, and then where it got to and then katie's next who's arguably like one of if not my best painted miniature i might i might dispose that with the blood angels but with with the um with the ashen claws i, I started playing with contrast and with katie's next i started playing with contrast and, and volume quite a bit and that's what i'm really trying to push with my blood angels is like a lot 
a lot of contrast and a lot of volume um, and then tying in that weathering like they're they're quite beat up and i'm trying to go somewhat blanchian without you know having them just end up looking dirty gotcha so yeah. grit, grit rather than dirt, wear, wear yeah. and tear rather than just lots of gunk on them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so it's you know it's a little more strategic in what I'm doing with it, um, but I use just kind of like a rough beat up brush for my edge highlighting, and and then I do kind of like a second pass with a second color, and and then I I actually use a little bit of graphite from pencil for the highest edges. I haven't tried that. I really should give that a go. Yeah, uh, just crush it up and like with your thumb or whatever, and then just run your thumb kind of over the highest edges, uh, and it really gives it something. If I ever if I did that, I'd probably give myself bloody lip poisoning. So I'll have to find <laughs> do. Oh yeah, just use the edge of the pencil. I know my luck. I know how how I roll. So. Yeah, well, I think I think you could probably put a glove on, uh, and it would probably still work. I don't know, but um, or maybe I'll die early. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, life life is well lived when you have an awesome looking army. So. You know, true. You true. can get paired with it. You know, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's true. Uh, Although it'd be like the uh, boilers at the Ottoman army when it comes to your lot, Freddy. <laughs> thousands, true. thousands of uh, models buried with this one man, built buried in a hall, fit for a king, just to house his his uh, third legion, let alone anything else. Yep. <laughs> nice. Well. I tell you what, guys, I think it's about time we wrap this up because we've we've talked a lot and we've got a lot out. And I think I really appreciate having both of you on to do that. I mean, it's it's so much fun to talk about just just fluff, just why we do things and tie things together. But I think in this little group, for sure, and I think as a whole, that sort of stuff really does reflect from like one army to another, from new army to from old army to new army. And I love the fact to hear that even with just simple things like you're talking about redoing the snow JP or, you know, different, different, te- you know, switching from say uh brush to airbrush, these little things that just jump us as um, painters and as hobbyists is really cool as well. So I hope everybody who's listening, uh, if you're looking for a new arm, new way of doing an army can find something out of this. Otherwise I just hope you've enjoyed listening to the four of us rant and rave about stuff. We find fun because you know, this is peak heresy podcasting if ever I listen to it. <laughs> so um, i tell you what we'll do. We're going to jump over and do our wrap-up. We're going to say goodnight very quickly. And, yeah, so don't forget, we've got our Duchesne uh, raffle tickets up for sale. There will be a link in this episode. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. There are plenty of links on our Facebook page. I'd like to... Uh, say thank you to Alex from Death Betrayal Podcast for coming on. It's been a pleasure, brother. Um, and I look forward to reading and seeing more for the uh, Push for Beta Garmin stuff you've got going on there. And I'll chuck, remember to put your link tree in again for you because we want to get that boosted as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, anytime, dude. And JP, thank you ever so much for coming on, dude. You and I, you know, stay tuned for After Dark, After Dark. Uh, and after elevation, as we talk, we'll probably end up talking A&W very easily for a very long time. <laughs> but we can also talk history and Iron Warriors and stuff as well. So, um, And don't forget, if you haven't already, Age of Darkness podcast, you should be listening to it just as just after ours. <laughs> definitely should be. But definitely check out Brangian Heresy. And when you have time, check out the Age of Darkness podcast. Uh, we sometimes do good stuff um, when episodes come out. 
Well, thank you so much for having uh, having me on. I, I, I'm really grateful. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think it's been entirely too long since we haven't done a collab. So this has been great. And we will have to do another collab very soon, my friend, because this is, like you say, it's been too long. It's been far too much fun. It should be illegal, but we don't care because nobody's going to catch us. Um, so, and we can talk. <laughs> we can talk about anything. Stay tuned to post the scandals wrap up and JP's adventures in Swedenland. Yes. Oh God, yes. The, maybe Alex. Speaking as well. of things that's been too long, ah, oh, it's going to be a blast. Can't it's wait. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. And literally, by the time, you know, a couple of hours after this episode will come out, I'll be arriving at the venue. Uh, JP, you will be getting a bear hug no matter what physical shape I'm in. So, oh, absolutely. Gird your loins, sir, for that one. And Alex. I would be insulted if that wasn't the case. <laughs> Alex, expect one for yourself if you are there. Just saying. You know, no pressure. But, you know, what better bonus after a 16-hour journey or 18-hour journey than a bear hug from a very, from an overweight Englishman who lives in Sweden? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> It'll feel like I'm back home. <laughs> I was going well, you do me, you do me well, sir. You do me well. Yeah. And Freddie, it's by the time this comes out, we will be talking way too much heresy. It's gonna be so much fucking fun, my friend. I cannot wait for Scandus. It's gonna be great. We're gonna have such a good time. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I don't know if you gentlemen remember this, but this we are gonna do our little wrap uh, our exit now. So hopefully you remember. So I'm gonna say it's a good night from me. And one of you can go next. Keep those gather fields up. As the man says, JP. Fire the Ursus Claws. Yes. And Freddie. And it's a good night for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love you guys. Remember, everybody, treat life like 30K. Be angry in the streets. Be fulgrim in the sheets. And try not to lose your head. This is the Varangian Heresy Podcast, signing off. Mm-hmm.